Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Taz Stacey. I'm Felix Castro. I'm and I'm Matt Croger. Thanks for joining us for our international review of the Northern Alliance. Of course, the Northern Alliance are very much a Mantic IP army and one of their showcase rangers. Uh, so I'm looking forward to dissecting this army with our esteemed panel. Uh, before we get into our hobby update, we'll meet our panel and find out a bit more about them and learn about their Northern Alliance credentials. Uh, so Dustin, let's start with you. You've been on the podcast before, but let's assume people haven't heard about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and any excess, success you've had with the Northern Alliance. All right. I'm uh, Dustin Howard. I'm out of the mighty Texas region for the U.S. I've had success with a couple of different armies and kings since version two. I've been on y'all's podcast mostly for Empire of Dust, but a couple other Masters channels and Surge forums as well. Now, uh, as far as Northern Alliance goes, I have taken them twice and won both times I've taken them in 2020. Other than that, they fit anybody's uh, play style. They're a very versatile army, so... I think anyone here could attest it's a pretty good army to play with. Yeah, great. And Taz, you're a you're a countercharge virgin, so we want to hear a bit more about you. Tell us your gaming origin story. What are you playing now, and why should we listen to you when it comes to Northern Alliance? I guess I'll start with I'll start with the start. Got into wargaming relatively recently. It was something I was always interested in, sort of growing up as a kid, but. Finances were an issue, so it was only when I, you know, got a decent job, whatever, and moved to Canberra. Started weirdly, started playing uh, American football with a bunch of guys here. And would you believe that guys in Australia who play American football are also huge nerds who play Warhammer and all that sort of stuff in the off season? So yeah, started doing that around uh, when Second Edition just launched, and there are a whole bunch of Warhammer fantasy guys, and so they all started going to that, and I. Started playing that, really. And when I met you, hanging around at 3D6, and got pretty quickly into the TO side of things and event organizing. In terms of what armies I play, I like, because I'm not very good at the tactical side of things, I throw myself into the hobby side of things. So I can say I'm a hobby guy instead of a tactics guy. So I started off with like Trident Realms because no one was playing that and I painted up a pretty cool Trident Realms army and then I moved to Orcs. Um, played a bit with uh, Kingdoms of Men as well. And when Third dropped, I really wanted to play Northern Alliance because that part of the map, the the Northern Icy part, was something that attracted me straight away when I looked at it in second. Why you want to listen to me when it comes to Northern Alliance? I, I, I play them a lot. I did all right the last quarter arms, so not the one that's running right now, but the one immediately before that. I was the best Northern Alliance player. I know I was in run for the podium up until I ran into uh, an obstacle named Paul Brown. Uh, we can talk about that. Um, but yeah, that's me. Great. Thanks, Taz. And now for the venerable Felix Castro. We've heard plenty from you in the narrative workshop, Felix, and you're a great contributor to Countercharge. But tell us what draws you to Northern Alliance and what you've been doing with them. You know, honestly, I've been playing kings of war since basically sort of the beginning part of second edition uh so i mean the game's not been around for that long but uh you know definitely been playing for a couple of years now and i was always bouncing around from army to army uh, my playing group always joked that maybe one day i'll, I'll settle down with an army that i really just kind of could give the rose to and really enjoyed like i have abyssals basileans 
her dwarves. Um, but something about Northern Alliance when I when when Ronnie announced the concept of Northern Alliance a couple of years ago at Adepticon, I just almost stood up in the middle of the hall. I was just like, that's it. That is the army I wanted to play. So really kind of had me at hello in that respect. You know, the fact that you could, you have some dwarves, you have some elves, you had humans, you had trolls, you had the ability to surge that we'll, we'll get into as we talk, talk to the army. And it just seemed like the ultimate sort of mixed arms type army. If you really, you know, had a way to play it. Why listeners should listen to me. Uh, they probably shouldn't, um, really listen to these other two guys. Uh, (laughs) I think the best I did was at the best of the rest GT. I think I just got 11th. I, by like maybe half a point, managed to not get into the top 10 out of the 40, I think it was like 42 or 44 people at the best of the rest uh, GT, which was ran uh, coinciding with the U S masters. That's about my best showing. Normally I'm, I'm more of a, a you know, the, the mid table mafia in terms of uh, my, my war gaming experience, but, uh, but yeah, it's kind of even Northern Alliance. Mid-table mafia, but top-table guy, Felix. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's at this point that we tend to catch up on what everyone's been working on in the hobby. Uh, Why don't we start with you, Dustin, because I think you're working on some right now. Uh, Right now, I have a vid coming up called King of the Monsters out of Texarkana. So I'm painting two 75mm monsters. One's a custom Gadira model that I'm uh, painting, and the other one is another Frost Giant because I was told... uh, I always listen to my my minions over here. They said I need to play an entire Frostbound army, so that's what I'm doing. So other than that, uh, after this project's done, I'll probably change it up for Lone Wolf. Uh, I always li- I like to win a different army each GT I play at. Uh, I, that sounds very egotistical, but it's more of a it's uh, something uh, in Texas we get a lot, we do a lot of trash talking. So when you can do that, I've done it before. I'm going to take House Lannister from. A Song of Ice and Fire Miniatures with all non-metal metal red is my next project. Yeah, excellent. And how about you, Taz? Are you working on anything at the moment in any system? Yeah, so mostly terrain, actually. So a fellow player down here has been going gangbusters with the 3D printing, and I've been painting it up. I think I've posted some of that in some of the various groups, but um, going for a, a, a synthwave gothic theme. So it's all like Aztec ruin or like a pastiche of... Mesoamerican stuff, getting the blue gradient and the gold sort of um, ruined metal features, but then uh, great big whopping pink purple vines. Um, so that looks pretty cool. But no, otherwise the silly season has uh, definitely caught up to me. And so the next big thing will be trying to finish off my army for uh, Clash of Kings Australia uh, end of next month. Yeah, that's right. It is the silly season, isn't it? So for our listeners, uh, we're recording on the... 21st of December for the for those in the States and the UK and 22nd for us. And what have you been working on, Felix? Uh, right now, just some Huskarls. Uh, I've I've heard they're decent in the Northern Alliance list. Uh, spoiler alert for I want to listen through. So uh, I already have one uh, regiment painted up, so I figured I'll, I'll just be that person and just bring a second one, maybe. We'll see. But uh, they're just kind of... It's just a bunch of holes. My my painting table is just so full of just various projects. I'm a bit ADHD when it comes to hobbies, so I just I'll just say I'm working on that. 
Yeah, great. And uh, for myself, I continue to work on Dragon Empire. I'm going to be like Jeremy Duval, and you know that's all I'll be saying probably for the next 12 to 24 months. <laughs> I've got to go out today and pick up some. I've had a local print up some resin bits that I'll use for multi-basing and terrain for them. So he's done that up for me off a off a Kickstarter I backed for some STL files. So we'll see how those come up, and I might post some pictures in the in the countercharge group. Uh, so that's that's pretty much all I'm working on. I've got my Armada, so uh, I've got to get that put together and cleaned up. Uh, I said on our year in review episode, because this will probably come out after that, that I'm paying one of my mate's kids to tidy that up for me so that I don't have to. <laughs> uh, yes. Love it. So uh, um, once he's done with that, then I'll, I'll start uh, painting them up, uh, particularly the Basalian ones to start with. So we might get into the meat and three veg of the podcast today and we'll get into our Northern Alliance review. Uh, Felix, you're our resident narrative workshopper. So do you want to take us through the background for the Northern Alliance? Yeah. Uh, Northern Alliance, like I said, are one of the, the Mantic IP ones. Uh Trying to remember. Gosh, it's been so long since I've actually read the book on that one. Uh, so a lot of it starts with Prince Talonar. Uh, he was an elven prince that, for some reason, was kind of uh, expelled from the elven lands and went up north, where he managed to come in possession of something. I haven't read, read through Uncharted Empires. I don't think they quite reveal what it is just yet, but this thing he's in possession of, uh, he's able to kind of wield a lot of political power and influence uh, in the northern part of uh, Panathor, um, managing to unite you know, various uh, human clans, tribe, human clan tribes uh, in the northern part of Panathor uh, managed to get convinced, you know, frost giants that are native to the lands up there and snow trolls. Uh, snow trolls are one of the earlier members to join the alliance. But then as his political power and influence grew in the northern lands, you've got um, Ni- uh, ice naiads uh, to join the alliance. You've got uh, half-elf berserkers, which again come from the, the ice kin elves from the northern parts of Panathor as well. Um, and so they just mainly, basically make a rainbow coalition of various different uh, groups to come in. And they're all there, not necessarily because of the power of what Prince Talonar wields. It's, it's kind of the, the promise of the secret uh, that he's protecting. And so that's kind of what unites. That's like the one uniting factor that the uh, Northern Alliance has is this, is this secret that uh, Prince Talonar has and is kind of uh, protecting from outside threats. So, uh, and like I said, basically coming along with that, Prince Talonar is, they're starting to project a little bit of, uh, of power out of the north, that's mainly on a protective action to kind of hold the enemies of whatever Prince Talonar's secret is at bay. So, I guess it's the five-minute version of, uh, of that <laughs> fluff. Great. And Taz or, Taz or Dustin, do you have anything to add there? Yeah, like when... Um... When I first saw the book in second edition, I saw that map, you know, with the the sort of the spit of land with the bottleneck and, and, and Talonar's gap there. And I was just like, yeah, that's that's really cool. And that's so my very, very first Kings of War army was an uh, elves army and I actually painted it all up ice themed. So like the forest shamblers were essentially ice elementals and things like that. Um, and uh, so that, yeah, always really sort of appealed to me. I know I like the, the Yugoslav sort of whole bunch of factions that have no sort of business working together, working together under one sort of charismatic leader. I like that. Um, but yeah, the, the main, the main thing is I just love the combined arms. You know, there's a, 
there's a tool for sort of everything. And I like the ability to sort of mix it up um, in terms of hobby as well. So not everything, like Undead's a similar army that sort of can do everything, but you can paint things up, you know, so you've got your trolls and you've got your humans, your elves and that. So it's cool. No, I just, it looks cool. Yeah, it, it's kind of neat because Mantic sort of uh, fleshed out and gave life to what was briefly mentioned in the second edition rulebook because they mentioned the Icekin uh, yeah, very yeah. briefly. It's like a sentence maybe in the second edition rulebook, but they don't. They kind of leave it at that. So they mentioned there's elves in the north, but you know, say nothing of it. And so it's nice that they actually took that and expanded upon it. And so you'll notice when we go through the army list, there's a couple Icekin units owing back to that legacy of the Icekin, the, 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 the northern uh, elves that kind of dwell in Panathor. So, yeah, it's really nice that they actually took the, that one little kind of almost discarded sentence in second edition, just expanded upon yeah, it. Yeah, just so. blew it up into a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I like that. I like the same reason I like Trident Realms in second edition. Um, so I, like, I played Trident Realms a lot, and it was just like, this is new and different. I mean, it's not, you know, sea elves are not a, particularly new idea but in wargaming that you know in tabletop wargaming they were um i'd never seen an underwater sort of army really and so that was really cool and, and like this you know i've never seen an army that's got elves and dwarves and trolls um and i love the frost fangs you know all working together right it's definitely it's nice to see a a more cosmopolitan army than you normally because normally in fantasy and fantasy is really bad at this but things are just monoliths it's just like Elves are just elves. Maybe yeah, allies here yeah, and there, yeah. but it's elves are elves. Dwarves are dwarves. Or like with like the rats. Have, you know, you've got tons yeah. of rats and then big rats. You know, and right. it's just like, ah, oh, yeah, and yeah. Fantasy is yeah, yeah. great for a bit of xenophobia, right? Right. <laughs> right. Well, it, it, it's definitely easier than having to explain like, hey, how are these all working together? You know, you just have them at odds with each other and never have them work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing that I like like uh, about this is that whole um, – like because uh, I like ancients, right? And you get this cool thing of where you've got like, you know, the Roman legions, but then you've got the auxiliaries that are from a different tribe. And then you've mm-hmm. got, you know, uh, skirmishes that are from other tribes. And you, you like this whole sort of thing of uh, this sort of, you know, empire, which is a coalition of all different sort of ethnic groups and cultures and religious groups all sort of working together for a shared goal, um, for a, you know, temporarily. And they all probably had each other. But they've got their own reasons for working together, and that's that's cool, and it's interesting, and, and, you know, and it's I don't know, there there are motivations and, and and stuff that that are cool, and you can make characters. So like, I like to name all my characters and stuff like that, and 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 you can sort of think about, you know, why they're doing what they're doing in a way that with other factions you, you sort of can't really. Right, and it's definitely not your typical, like we were saying, you're not your typical fantasy aesthetic that you can literally have your battle line could have humans next to elves next to dwarves with you know these humans riding these big massive furry you know monsters on the flanks and it's just kind of for some reason it all works like you know like you don't look at it and go wow why would they they would never, they would never fight together and yeah so. nah, nah, it's cool yeah and have you got anything to add there dustin oh i i really like the, the whole idea of running an elf next to a dwarf because and I was, uh, caveat for what they said. How many times have you ever seen an elf, a dwarf, other than Lord of the Rings, and a human fight together in any of these high fantasy settings? And another example is for Lord on Frostbane, I use a dwarf mounted on a boar with a giant keg on his back. Just because right. I said they cool looking models. So for model opportunity, you could use almost your sky's a limit. So I really enjoy that as a whole. Plus the whole idea when they came out with it of this whole land 
that you know united together was uh i i really like the fluff behind it yeah and i think it, it does hold that difference doesn't it even compared to like in theory forces of nature and things are meant to be similar but there is there is a very different vibe because you do have it's more of those i guess different old fantasy tropes that are being combined rather than different bits of nature Right. And I kind of like it, too, because it's like it's it's an ideal. It's, it's not just because like, oh, we're all forces of nature because we're all of nature and green lady, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like there's no reason why these guys will be fighting for each other besides the fact that they've sworn to Talonar to defend, you know, what he's told them. Or some may have ostensibly have told them is, is you know, what he's yeah. needing to get guarded. And so they've all united. So it's it's that whole fighting for an ideal versus, you know. And in my, head, in my head, like the threat of the Varanger and stuff like that are a big part of it. So, you know, that they are defined as much by what they are not as by what they are. And, you know, so they're not in allegiance with, with Korgan or, or whatever. And, you know, so they, they might be sort of brutal and vicious, but they're not evil in the same way that the Varanger are. And so I, I, I really like that whole sort of unlikely coalition fighting together. There's, there's a lot of juice there for, for storylines and for... Um, for thinking, you know, head cannon and stuff, because that's kind of motivating for me when you, you know, you pretty big painting cues with some of these units. Right. Um, All right. So now we'll move into the main part of the review, where we go through the the Northern Alliance unit by unit. But first, let's start with the alignment. So the Northern Alliance is a good army. Uh, if you want to hear a good discussion on alignment in Kings of War, perhaps go check out Unplugged Radios episode on that i'll put a link in the show notes because they've got some really interesting ideas there uh, and the army-wide special rule is the army special upgrade is a snow fox so for those units that take a snow fox or can take a snow fox it'll gain plus one attack do we have any comments there on the special rule before we move on or happy to address it um in the unit by unit guys unit you know, by I unit mean, it's, yeah it's i mean it's no indomitable will but you know it's a pretty yeah. good uh, you know, special. I think there's certain units that it, it that will show it's pretty good on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, so we'll go straight into the infantry in the list. Uh, so what we'll do is uh, each of our members is going to take us through an entry and then the others will have comment if they've got anything extra to add and we'll just go through the whole list unit by unit. So, uh, Dustin, do you want to start and take us through the human clansmen or clans people? Yeah, I, well, I definitely will. Uh, I'm a big fan of the unit as a whole. With human clans, when you come at a speed 5, melee 4+, plus, defense 5+. plus. They come in at troop, regiment, and horde, which unit strength 1, 3, and 4, respectively. With those, they have a 10, 12, or 25 attack number with them, as well as a nerve is a 9, 11, a 13, 15, or a 20, 22. With their points being 90, 140, and 230, respectively, not very expensive for a crush one unit with wall charge one. They also have the option to change their defense to a four plus and get their granted crushing two for free. Because you come with crushing one base, but you could lower your defense to four plus and take crushing two instead, which is a huge benefit depending on how you play style. They make the perfect anvil as since they're normal infantry. They're only 200. If you take a horde at 200 millimeters wide, it's still small enough, not like the unwieldy axe that are 50 millimeter wider. It, to me, it's a budget axe with more flexibility at that cost. For, for people who don't know, axe are the 
core orc unit that most people roll around. But it works really good in a formation. You can literally take it MMU, like for multiple medium units, because as you'll see later on, Northern Alliance has great synergy as a whole, but you can also use them as a horde. They could grab two objectives, perfect loot, and with the wall charge one, they out, they're going to outrange the other versions of speed five units, which is perfect. Awesome. So, uh, Taz, or, Taz, do you have anything to add about the Klansman? Yeah, so first up, I'd like to say that the Mantic Klansman minis are up there, top, top tier models. They're great to put together. They look awesome. And I put together a horde of these guys um, when I got my big box. and They look great. Um, the issue there is the points, we'll get to it later, but at 230 points for a horde, that's the same cost as a horde of Ice Nyads. So my, my feelings about these guys in general is they're a little bit like the zombie trolls in Undead. They're a good unit in isolation, just there are other things in the list that sort of do the same job sort of a bit better so and i'd like to see these these tweaked a little bit but yeah i don't know i have a horde of them and they're pretty cool you know they can take a beating and you don't want to get hit by them um so they're a nice sort of hybrid hybrid anvil hammer sort of sort of thing going on um and yeah as an orc player that having having a, a horde that is uh you know five centimeters narrower is really nice i do wish they'd brought out the conversion kit um uh, Mantica brought out the conversion kit earlier because I think I would probably take the Crush 2 and Defense 4 variant rather than the Crush 1 Defense 5. Yeah, the only issue I really have with them is, like uh, like Taz says, they're a very good kind of all-around unit. However, they're in an army that has some specialists that do kind of one aspect of the other better, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So... It's it, that that kind of makes it tough to really willingly choose when it's just like oh I just want to survive. Well, there's an army, there's a unit later on that does probably a little bit better job of just holding a position. That, that's the thing. Yeah. So if you're wanting if you're wanting something that's just straight up object, object objective Parker, there's you know Snow Foxes are better than a troop of clansmen. If you want uh, a real tar pit, the Ice Nyads do that. If you want something that really punches, you've got you know your Frost Fangs or your Huskarls. And if you yeah. want like a hybrid unit that can kind of do both, you've got the Snow Trolls. So they're a little bit neither Arthur or Martha, only because the Northern Alliance have got so many other great options in and of themselves. Right. And if you just like the models, I don't think you're playing too suboptimally running them um, in, in a regular tournament. Maybe at like a Masters level tournament, you're probably risking a bit much, but like in most events, I think you'll sort of be fine, but it's just it's just an issue. You know, it's a good problem to have. You've just got too many options that do do the things just slightly a little bit better. But if you want to run the models because they they look awesome, um, yeah, do it. Mm. Right. So, so it sounds like uh, Dustin's the biggest lover of these guys. So we'll what we might do is we've got a viewer question here from Matt G. So Dustin, if you want to answer it, Matt G. asks, why is this unit so good? Well, I, I wouldn't say it was so good. It's just <laughs> you around it that makes it, like I said, it's a budget axe horde. So it, are you good with work axe? If you're good with work axe, you could easily do it as a MMU style. You could even as a Parker, like they said before. But an objective Parker, you have Dwarf Klansmen uh, at that cost. But as an axe, I think the best thing you could do is custom tailor it to your list and add that. You could have a Crushing 2 horde if you'd like to. With synergy with your normal lord getting wall charge two, now you're fighting with elves at speed twelve, you know, charge twelve territory. Mm -hmm. So it depends on how you synergize it. But uh, as a whole, I, 
you just take it for the Mantic model. The Mantic models are gorgeous. They're some of the best Mantics come out with. So to honor Mantic, you should paint them just for that fact that honor. Yeah, hard to agree. That they look awesome. Yep. Uh, Felix, do you want to take us through the Dwarf Clansman? Sure. And actually, this is, uh, you know, I was a Dwarf player beforehand, so it was kind of like, sweet, I can use these models in my army. Uh, so you got your Dwarf Clansmen. They are the cheapest unlock that the Northern Alliance have access to. Uh, come in troops and regiments. Um, they're speed four, just like normal Dwarves. Uh, melee four, defense five. The troop has 10 attacks. The regiment has 12, nerve of 10, 12, and 14, 16 at the troop and regiment levels for 75 and 115 points. Unit strength of 3 for the regiment, which is pretty clutch when it comes to a lot of those uh, objective grabber type games, because they're going to be more than your normal rabble regiments or some of these other cheaper regiments. For special rules, they've got Fury and Wild Charge, so they're basically like the Ironclad that dwarves have, but instead of Headstrong... They pick up Fury, which, situationally speaking, you know, can be better, depending if you face a lot of shooting or not. Uh, I like it because they be effective in melee, effectively become fearless because they're always coming back until they die. And then they get Wild Charge 1 to give you that whopping 9-inch charge range. Yeah. Um, and then just like the Klansmen, they get the option to exchange their shields for it gives you actually name of two-handed frost hammers. It basically, just gives you a crushing one to de- drop your defense down to f- uh, four plus. I really like them. Uh, I usually like to have at least one in a list, just because you'll have those scenarios where you need to have that one thing to carry a token for at least a while, and those things just don't die easily. Um, it takes a lot to one-shot a, a regiment of dwarf clansmen, but uh, I do know the speed. I recognize that is a uh, that's a potential downfall, especially if you are trying to go for a maybe faster Northern Alliance list. Also, I've tried to use troops uh, of them. They're actually not too bad as long as you can kind of position them correctly to not really run into terrain. They actually can run fairly decent blocking and, you know, with melee officially becoming basically dash 12, defense 5 is, is pretty good. They tend to stick around as chaff, but uh, I don't know. What does everyone else think about the Dwarf Clansmen? I, they rule. They are awesome. The regiment um, at 115 points, and and pay attention to the 115. There's a lot of mm, units that come in at that price point. That's a super competitive price point. Yeah. In Alliance. Um, yeah. So there's a, like, and you're always thinking uh, there's a lot of things you want, but if you want, yeah, objective holders, they're fantastic because they take ages to die. Defense five, 14, 16 with fury, and you know they're they're cheap, and yeah, nah, they are. They are so good. Yeah, and the only reason why then Odd Nordo include, you know, two regiments of them in all of my lists is because there are other options that can do the same thing. So, But no, I can't recommend them highly enough. I don't – I've never run them with the Frost Hammers, always just run them with Defense 5 because that's the point of them um, is just to sort of sit up the back and be that unit strength 3 so that even if later game someone's flying around with a dragon or whatever, they still don't, you know, overtake you um, in terms of unit strength. So now, nah, Dwarf Clansmen rule. They're better ironclad. For five points more than ironclad, two you get Fury. I know I fail my head strong all the time, so that's why I like Fury better. And you get Wild Charge one for five points. As well as the option to go crushing you know, one, that's not bad. Uh, I've liked them in the past as troops, believe it or not, just because as troops, they make a perfect screen since they have Fury for Huskarls, which I'll be going over later. And uh, 
that unit in itself synergizes so well with the list. It's cheaper than a snowbox, yes, it's slower, but properly positioned, it's a better speed bump, harder to kill, harder to shift. And you're sitting there with a smaller footprint. Uh, I agree with uh, both my uh, all everyone else that dwarf clansmen might be one of the little hidden little trinkets we have at our disposal in this army. Yeah, as a as a dwarf player myself, I look at that unit straight away, and straight away I think better iron ironclad. Right, I think it's um that looks like a a great solid option for particularly occupying objectives and things like that. Um, we didn't do it for the clansmen, but would you guys add? Any items to these, or you just run them naked for the, and keep them cheap? Nah, keep them cheap. Keep them cheap. Yeah, keep them cheap for 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 the most part. Yeah, you know that's all right, Dustin. Would you would you use items? No, I, I tend to like all dwarves naked, in and out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Noted. Okay, so moving on to the half elves berserkers, Taz. I think it's fitting you take us through your your beloved berserkers. Uh, hell yes. All right, half-elf berserkers. Um, so they are speed six, uh, hitting on threes, no ranged attack, and a defense of three. Their special rules are iron resolve, uh, thunderous charge one, and wild charge d3. Um, they come in troops and regiments, uh, unit strength one and three for the troop and the regiment, 15 attacks for the troops, and 20 attacks for the regiments, uh, nerve of dash 13 and dash 17, uh, and 115 points and 180. So they're, they're similar to, you know, your, your succubi or your, the, the units of the really sort of high, high attack output um, troops and regiments. But paying attention there to that troop for 115 points you get a 15 attacks with thunderous charge one and a dash 13 nerve uh, so yeah pretty much all of my success in in the call to arms tournament was based on running four troops of these as screens for the rest of my army um they are a perfect screen in that because because they're fearless. Um, they never waver, so they're either hitting or out of the way. The speed six with wild charge D three means they outpace everything apart from cavalry. Um, so they go up to fifteen inches uh, threat range. So they will get the first jump on sort of almost everything, especially if they're coming off a hill. And so they get their extra thunderous. They they can take out a lot of stuff in and of themselves. Um, I've seen them chew through zombies and skeletons um, in, in just one shotting. Especially if they can sort of sneak in a flank. One poor opponent I was playing. <laughs> well, I won't I won't mention his name. But yes, he had, he'd slightly spaced his skeleton uh, zombie hordes out wrong, and so they were able to. The two troops were able to charge into the flanks of zombie hordes that were sitting next to each other sort of crossing paths and each hitting into the flank instead of charging into the one directly in front of them um and yeah just a, a troop one-shotting hordes it's great um their only weakness is they are really susceptible to light shooting with that defense three you can you can take them out in one or two turns of shooting and if your meta doesn't run a lot of light shooting which um, it didn't in Australia and on, on UB um, a lot uh, for a while. Um, they can be really, really solid because people only have melee answers to them and they're always getting that first hit in. Um, so, no, these are these are great. And for 115 points, uh, they're in that same price slot as the Dwarf Clansman Regiment. And, yeah, they're f- fantastic screening units. Um, so, no, can't recommend them highly enough. I'm a big fan of them myself. Uh, like he said, the troops, great screens. The threat projection is phenomenal. 
There is a, if you would like me to jump ahead, I do like running them with an item or two mm-hmm. in the past. Yep. Uh, in them with, you obviously can, if you want to, if you have a theme you're going for, I have some cool like Valkyrie like models that I've been painting up that I wanted to test out. I ran them with haste and commit combination <laughs> with the wall. I'm sitting there out charging cavalry, parking them on a hill. And, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> And everyone's like, oh, these little elves aren't going to do anything. It's like, yeah, sure. And I will roll like a five up on my law charge. And now and now you're sitting there, just the threat through the roof. So running 18 inches with that regiment at that many attacks, you hit somebody in the flank. And kill oh, that's gross. Yeah, um, I'm just thinking about a, pot- a potential 17-inch charge range on half-elf berserkers. It's just gross. Um, yeah, I honestly eight. have not had a lot of success with them but i think that's more general ship than the actual uh unit itself although i did one shot a horde of what was it great axe uh by taking a a regiment of berserkers in the flank and that was just like bye-bye to that horde of great axe it just i mean that was just so many attacks just coming in it was just like just gross i often forget they have iron resolve since they tend to die so quickly in my hands so um but that is a thing <laughs> that is some somewhat wound mitigation uh, oh, it's, for potential it's, light shooting. It, yeah, no, it's, it's really it's really handy because it means that lightning bolt and stuff like that, they're less of a target for lightning bolt. Um, right. But the issue is is bows. You know, bows, breath attacks, that sort of thing can really sort of stack on, you know, five or six wounds and then, uh, you know, you roll a nine or something and they're gone. Whereas, yeah, the iron resolve, I think, is a really handy counter to lightning bolt because for most of the time people will look at them and just think, yeah, you know, I put on two wounds, it does one, and then I still need to roll. Uh, you, you know, they, they still need like five or six wounds before they're in the danger zone in terms yeah, yeah. of... Usually. Yeah, it's the iron resolve combination with fearless, right, That's that, right. that makes yeah, it yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. So I, I, I see these as a classic unit that you just wouldn't have taken in second edition because of the shooting being more powerful. The defense three really would have harmed them. But now right. because yes, you need absolutely. to, for medium shooting, you need to invest so many points, they, they're actually a lot more successful, right? Right. But I mean, overall, I do like them. If I can get them into combat, like they def, like, uh, like they're they're just blenders. They're a blender unit. They can just absolutely just tear through anything that's basically medium armored unit. It is just going to chew through them like it's nobody's business because they got the weight of attacks and the thunderous charge. Just just to be able to. What I love you know, is that they can they can just absolutely hammer into someone's front line. Um, so they can take out all of the chaff, no worries. You know, they definitely win a chaff off, as they should. They're 115 points. And so right. most chaff, you know, comes in around 90 points. So, yes, you would expect them to win that battle. But then if someone's not running chaff and they're just running, you know, let's say they're running, say, hordes of axe, a horde of axe is not going to want a, a troop or two of half-elves running into them at front. You know, that, that'll do um, a good, you know, 10-odd wounds to them just to get go and then they're backed up by you know whatever they're back you know northern lines have got a lot of stuff coming up um so yeah no they're they're great the, the issue is is they are extremely vulnerable to light shooting and that's all down to meta so whether they're good or bad will depend entirely on your meta but in a meta where people were not taking regiments of archers or even hordes of archers they whip mm. uh and taz while you're going do you want to take us through the ice naiads 
Oh, yes, Ice Nights. So these are cool. These are really cool. Um, so they uh, speed five, melee four, defense four, no ranged attack, sort of standard infantry. Um, they come in a troop regiment and a horde. Their special rules are ensnare, regen five, wild charge one. So they're pretty much the same, or they're similar to regular naiads, but they get the extra point of defense and one less point of regen. Their unit strength is one, three, and four across the troop regiment and horde. They've got 10, 12, and 25 attacks, so a standard attack profile. And their nerve profile is 9, 11, 13, 15, 20, 22, so a standard nerve profile for infantry hordes. Uh, for points, they're 90, 140, and 230. So a horde of ice naiads will cost you the same as a horde of human clansmen. And they're your sort of your two big options when it comes to, you know, a big, a big infantry horde. Um, for you know for, for for anvil or tarpid purposes they do have the keyword frostbound which we'll come into it later i really like these guys these guys are a fantastic a fantastic tarpid unit a great center for your battle line um they'll sort of sit there especially if you can park them in difficult terrain or in front of obstacle or whatever hindered and ensnared attacks just not going to get anywhere and then the regen comes up they're not as susceptible to shooting as regular naiads because they've got the defense four instead of defense three the wild charge one is nice means they get the jump on most sort of infantry yeah no i I really like these guys and I've I've run them a bunch. The thing that I'm not looking forward to is painting up the horde. The painting up a horde of naiads for my Trident Realms nearly broke me. So these guys <laughs> are the next on my painting queue for kings and I'm just oh <laughs> there's just so many of them. But no, they're great. I love them either as regiments if you take multiples. The horde with when you add hammer measured force or dragon yes. charge shield. Yes. Or, I, every once in a while if you take band chant Bane, uh, you know, hammer, you know, through a strength spine, but I don't tend to run Bane Chant since I nah. take a I'm no monster guy. So uh, I usually have enough crushing, but hammer with them just. Yeah. You sit there hammer of measured with, force or the dragon charge shield are the two items for this unit uh, in the horde. Because that's the way you do it with a horde. Because it just uh, it stands on itself. Uh, then you have, you could hold two objectives since it's so wide at 12 inches apart. You could hold two objectives of that unit strength four. And a flyer's not going to come get, get it. He's going to have to invest heavily to shift it. Unless you're fighting something with tons of breath, then you're just out of luck. And the, yep. the big thing that the Hammer of Measured Force adds to the unit is then they can't ignore it. Because if it's a naked unit, they can kind of ignore it. You know, most opponents, apart from a certain Tony Windmill, will know not to charge into the front of a horde of Vice Nyads. <laughs> But the way you mitigate that is just by not engaging with them, just leaving them, and then they're just sort of there. But once they've got that hammer of measured force, then all of a sudden, no matter what they're doing, those six wounds a turn, and there's not a lot of units that can put up with that for long. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a I'm an absolute fan of the ice naiads myself. Uh, the cool part too is about the, for the defense four. I mean, if my opponent decides to try and chaff them up, I mean. I... I'm just going to laugh at him because generally that chaff's hitting on fours with no crushing is just like, yeah, your chances are you're not going to do any wounds and I just have the weight of dice. I'm just going to eliminate your chaff. And then you're still having a ensnared charge, whatever you were hoping to, you know, use that chaff up for. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of them. Ensnare is like such a run... great rule, um, especially right. against armies that have a lot of hitting on fours, you know, your undeads, forces of nature, sallies, things like that. It's so fun. Right. Now, I will say the one point I think it hadn't been mentioned yet, is that one thing they do lose out over the normal naiads is they don't have Pathfinder. So that is yep. something you'd have to take 
in mind when it comes to deployment. Not so much, you know, uh, yeah. like, yeah, you want to park them into a, a piece of difficult terrain, but just don't intend on them ever going anywhere because the normal naiads, if they needed to, could at least double out to, to get to places at the end of the game. Yeah. Like, just take that the, in mind with the regular The lack naiads. of any units with Pathfinder in this list, you know, given that we've got access to every other special rule, pretty much. Um, well, why we can't we have up. Pathfinder 2? Come on, Mantic. Let me sort it out. <laughs> can't have we all do have- Oh, they have Pathfinder. That's our one thing. <laughs> yeah, true, true. So, I um, so yeah, that, you're right. That's just something to keep advantage of. Just, 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 I mean, it's not a necessarily a huge drawback, but just something to keep in mind that that you're not going to have. They're not going to be. And I have a lot of times my opponents thinking that, which is cool. Let them think that that you know <laughs> that my ice and I ads have Pathfinder can just charge out whenever you know. Yeah. If yeah. they ask me, I'll say no, no, they don't. But you know, if, I, if, if they're not going to ask me, just let them assume that. So that's cool. I'll just. You know. Let them well, that's why putting them in front of an obstacle is handy because, like, no one gets to move over the, the double over obstacle sort of things unless it's a flyers, I guess. But, um, yeah, you, you're always wanting that interaction of you, you're putting them near difficult terrain or an obstacle, but they can't move over it, so they can slow right down. But as long as you plan for it, I mean, that's all in deployment. It's all about, you know, having right. a plan Just, at the beginning. As, as long as you have plan. that in mind. Yeah. It's it shouldn't fun. be an issue. But that is something to keep in mind when you're list building and preparing your army for deployment. Is just keep in mind that you know if they're going to need to catch up with everybody, you know they're not going to be able to do it through difficult terrain. So, so what do y'all think about the, comparing them to a regular naiad? Like, so how do you normally beat and snare? It's usually weight of volume, which is usually lower crushing or some a high volume of shots, right? Oh, like I just hit, I hit them, hit them in the flanks. Yeah, you know, pin them and set them up for flanks. Um, and, and, at that point, don't y'all like the defense score better than the Pathfinder at that point? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, right. I, I would take the Ice Knight, you know, even in the Trident Realms list, I would take, if I could, I would take Ice Knight instead of regular yeah. Knights. Yeah, the other difference with them, oh, sorry, I did tune out for a sec, um, but the other difference with them is re- they've regen five instead of four compared right. to the normal Knights, right? So slightly less resilient. Slightly, but I definitely well, find the defense four really kind of pays dividends, really, because you know if you get a uh, a shot with piercing one, well, when regular knights are wounding on twos, at least yeah. with piercing one shots, they're still wounding on threes. At least ups your chances a little bit of of not being able to take all the wounds. So that's right. So the only the, the only time it matters is when someone's coming at you with more than crushing three, right? Um, yeah. And the only stuff, well, most of the stuff that has crushing three or more has low attacks. You know, it's a giant right. or whatever that's coming at you with 10, 12 attacks. And so then that's fine. And you, you deal with that by just having a higher nerve value, you know, 20, 22. Um, whereas when you're matching up against, you know, your infantry hordes and they're coming at you with, you know, 25 attacks um, and that ensnares knocking it down so that they're hitting on fives or whatever. Um, and so the orcs are the crushing, you know, the crushing one means that they're, it really helps. It really helps in a lot of situations, I find. Um, and I would rather the, I don't know, I would rather take the defense. I feel like it's a bird in the hand rather than the two in the bush that is the regen roll because sometimes it can be great, sometimes it can give you nothing. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I would I would rather take the higher defense at the beginning. Been there. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that finishes off the regular infantry, and now we're on to the, our single heavy infantry unit, the mighty Huskarls. Uh, Dustin, do you want to take us through them? Oh, quite. Uh, the Huskarls are your normal speed five 
melee three, defense five. They come in a troop and regiment option uh, with 15 attacks and 20 attacks, respectively, with the nerve of being 11-13 and a 15-17 for a regiment. The troop is a 145, and the regiment is 225. They, are bo- they both are crushing strength two with fury and wild charge one. These guys very much draw the eye. As soon as people look across the army, pro- you know, the, the unit lists for Northern Alliance, so many people saw Huskiles, and they're like, eyes bug out of the head. 20 attacks, hitting on threes, crushing two. Oh, I've actually won my last GT with two regiments of them. I kept mm. them uh, I kept them naked. Uh, I've run them in the past, though, with strength, elite. I've done even sharpness. I've done vicious. I've done movement. And then uh, I've done brew of haste as well as wall charge plus one so I could fight elves. But most of the time, I like them with a screen of either dwarf troops, snow foxes, because why not snow foxes? And as a second wave, because running them as a second wave for me, when you combine with certain other obstacles we have, in our, we'll discuss later in the army, you can once you're a budget soldier, so you're second only to the vampire infantry, and you're cheaper, and you come built in with fury. So, in my history with these guys, these guys are phenomenal. They take solid crush two and high volume attacks. Yeah, I think berserker style units like this, like you said, are, are good enough naked, but they they scream like one of the um, combaty power um, magic items, don't they? Because you get the you get the cheaper discount, you're not paying for the the horde version of them, so they can just go next level with it with an item, just like the soul reavers. Yeah, I took yeah. A, I took a regiment of huskarls with the elite item uh, in my final round game. I ended up in two rounds took out a greater obsidian golem single handedly. With just that regiment, like, <laughs> like, because with the lead, I was pushing out like close to eight attacks of damage, eight, eight, eight wounds a turn. So by a turn, second round of combat, it's sixteen wounds on it. So it's just like, yeah, bye bye. Yeah, well, you could sharpness them, <laughs> almost all hitting or wounding. <laughs> it was just like an expensive pathfinder because I just was not unhindered every single time. I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'm hitting on threes now. Oh, thanks, awesome. So. Look, they're good. There's a lot of unit. Well, there's a um, the fifteen seventeen comes in with a with the frost fangs and the, the price point. Um, uh, you've got to you've got to screen them. You've got to babysit them. Um, but late game, they can just del- you know delete stuff. So what I, I liked to do was run a sort of a block of two regiments of huskars with two troops of half elves running sort of in front of them and then some sort of source of inspiring, whether it was a Lord on a Frostfang or something like that. And then it was, you know, it was hard to get to them. And there's not a lot in the game that can take being punched by half-elf berserkers and then Huskarls and a hang around. Like, there's some things, but it's tricky. All right. Well, that does us with the combat infantry. If we moved on to our ranged infantry now, uh, we might start with the pack hunters. And Felix, if I could get you to run th- run us through that. All right. Uh, you had the pack hunters, which in the original rulebook were irregular, but now with the uh, Halpies Rift Clash of Kings 2020 uh, are now regular, so you can start picking up your regiments and unlock with them, which is pretty nice. Um, your pack hunters, uh, no more high two infantry, Speed 5, melee 4+, range 4+, defense 3+. Uh, they come in troops and regiments with 10 and 12 attacks, respectively, with 911 nerve, 1315 nerve at the regiment size at 110, 145 points. 
for special rules, they get Pathfinder, Stealthy, Thunderous Charge 1, Wild Charge 1, and then they come stock with short bows with an 18-inch range. And for 5 points of the troop level and 10 points of the regiment level, they can exchange their short bows for javelins for a 12-inch range, steady aim, piercing 1. So again, that would bring that troop up to that 115-point level, if you're noticing this theme here with 115 points. but uh, Yep. Yep. So, there's your pack hunters. And uh, have you run them before, Felix? I mean, I've ran them before. I wouldn't say I've ran them well, but uh, <laughs> you know, they're they're not bad. I, I've definitely have had some times where I've been able to get that cheeky charge off with them. I mean, having you know the thunderous charge one means they're not an insignificant threat. Um, you can actually do some damage with them, especially get them in on a flank or something like that, but. Uh, you know, I, I've only ever ran them at the troop level, so I can't say anything for regiments and troops. And that 11 nerve, that can just, especially with defense 3, that can just go off pretty quickly if you're... That's the problem. So, like, the stealthy is handy. So, the Pathfinder and stealthy means, oh, so what you're supposed to do is park these guys in difficult terrain and then just throw your javelins from the woods. Like, that's sort of what you're supposed to do with them. And then if someone exposes a flank, they charge out of it with their thunderous charge but the the 911 nerve just means that they they die too easily and then if you're running them at the regiment level you're spending um what 155 points and then it's just like ah but um well the the success that i've had with them is running uh a few troops of them and combining them with the ice elementals and so then you just get this absolutely devastating medium range barrage of shooting because our ice elementals have got what a 16 inch uh, effective threat range for their um, effective, yeah, their, yeah, their spell, and then these guys have got an effective, you know, sort of again five plus twelve, so seventeen inch, um, seventeen inch threat for their javelins. Um, I always take them with javelins because then that was the the, the kit that came um, at the moment. I, I understand Mantic's releasing a bow upgrade for them, um, but I like the javelins. I like the piercing one; it's nice. Um, but yeah, combine them with a bunch of the other, you know, the the, the um, frosty breath sort of attacks, and you can just if someone doesn't have a lot of speed and they don't have a lot of shooting, you can just melt a whole bunch of stuff before they can get into the charge. But yeah, so I really want them to work because the models are really cool and they're sort of a Swiss Army knife thing. But it's just they're just either too expensive at the regiment level or too fragile at the troop level. And so it's just yeah, it's, it's rough to find a spot for them in a competitive list at the moment. Uh, I, I can kind of agree. You could run them as a good screen for your ice elementals. I've done it before, and it's but it's I feel like I'm forcing it instead of just doing something better with either. Dwarf troops or anything I could use them for, I feel like I could find another role for them. Uh, the best, other than that, that's probably for, you know, with your Occupy, just zone control, setting on objectives in the very far back. But at that point, you can take other units that rival it. So, yeah, unless you, you take the you take the regiment of dwarves, for example, if they're just sitting up the back the whole game, take the regiment yeah. of dwarves with unit strength three and are going to hang around if someone tries a late game Hail Mary with the dragon or something into them. Yeah. It's all. You want somebody sitting back there that could shoot, and at that point you have elf clans. Uh, so, at, or you have a better unit that could freeze the target. So yeah, it feels yeah. like you can build a list around it, but you're forcing your hand at that point. Mm. Well, speaking of elf clansmen, Taz, do you want to run us through them? 
Uh, yes, sure. Okay, so Elf Clansman in infantry, infantry units, speed 6, uh, melee 5, ranged 5, and defense 4. They've got bows with a 24-inch range, and they are elite with their ranged attacks. They come in the troop and the regiment, unit strength 1 and 2, um, as is custom for ranged units. Uh, 8 attacks and 10 attacks, so standard ranged uh, infantry profile. Nerve of 10, 12, and 14, 16, um, and 90 points and 120 points. Normally, I would, you know, I've never run these, um, but yeah, Paul Brown took me apart with a regiment. Of, not, I mean, he was he was running standard elves, but just a regiment of elves um, was taking off my half elf berserkers every turn. Yeah, so I know they can be handy. I've never particularly run them. Um, if you want shooting, there's the Icekin Hunters. Um, if you want objective squatters, there's the dwarves, there's the snow foxes. Yeah, they're, yeah, I, I can't ever see myself running them. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I think uh, if you want to run a theme quote unquote list, you know, of when you want to have mostly Icekin, like, yeah, that'd be the to go to. They are the second cheapest unlock. Uh, right behind the Dwarf Clansman, being five points more expensive at the uh, regiment level for unlock. So, I mean, there's that. But, yeah, I mean, I would just I would just go with Dwarves over the Elf Clansman just about any time if I was going to run, you know, just stuff for pure unlocks. The, the only thing I could say that they could do well is, like you, Felix said, they're your second cheap unlock. They also, they're still defense four, which I don't understand why elves get better defense shooters than other armies. But, you know, they could sit there, they could loot, uh, they could be a caddy for loot, but still shoot once they get to their target. They could sit there with objective, sit there and shoot. The, literally, do you, would you rather have the better defense of the dwarf, or would you rather, against certain armies that are slow, you get clink damage and try to uh, chaff clear while you sit there in the back on objective, tucked in the corner? So it, it can be useful, uh, but it depends on your role or what you're fighting. It's very meta-dependent, I would say. Lastly, in the range slots, we have the Icekin Hunters. So, Dustin, do you want to run us through those? Oh, yes. So the Icekin Hunters are going to have speed 6, melee 4+, plus, range 4+, plus, defense 3. They're going to come in a troop and a regiment, have 8 attacks for the troop, 10 for the regiment, with a 10-12 nerve for the troop, and a 14-16 for the regiment. The costs are going to be 135 and 180. They come with a elite Pathfinder Scout bows, 24 inches, at steady aim. They also have a cool little rule called ice-tipped arrows. If one or more points of damage are scored with this unit's bow attacks, the target enemy unit is given the frozen special rule. I want I want this unit to work so bad. I just haven't been able to to get it to work yet. You could use it. The big thing is you have to figure out what the rest of the list goes with. I see. I fought some people who tried spamming these, and it didn't work well for them. They were fighting my night stalker, so it didn't, you know, it didn't really matter, anyways. But uh, the fact that you can still freeze things in target with your icy breath in Blizzard, whatever else you want to use, and now our new Windblast character, uh, it, it's a good toolbox to have. I can see one of them as a regiment being well, or even just two troops on two opposite ends of the board uh, doing well. Just for it gives you threat projection that some people don't have answers for. Some people just park dogs on each corner and hope for the best. This is a counter for that. Yeah, true, true. It's, and it's very mobile too with a steady aim and the Pathfinder and stuff like that. He can sort of get around and just be plinking away, um, doing sort of like a supercharged lightning bolt, you know, so doing uh, between one and four points of damage depending on the defense um, on most units. 
um, and there's not a lot you can do because they've got that really long range. Yeah, I, I actually I've only ran them I think twice, uh, but the second time I ran them was just kind of like a off. I think I might have been copying somebody else's else's list for just a, a friendly game at a local, uh, and they actually punched pretty well above their weight that i was like i was like holy crap like uh i think i was playing against my buddy's varanger and i took off a couple regiments of draugr that he had like just shooting them off and being able to chaff up and setting up my Huskarls for that counter punch and stuff like that so it was it was they were decent like i said they weren't great i mean i could probably have done the same with clansmen you know maybe at a cheaper point cost but uh you know Interesting. Uh, like I said, I mean, obviously getting uh, Scout helps a lot for being able to park them in that difficult terrain early on and having that 24-inch threat range. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I think the price is just maybe a... a, a well, they, they have a 30-inch threat range because they've got steady aim. So right. they can they can really out-tag a lot of stuff. Like they can take out war machines, um, all sorts, you know, all sorts of things. Uh, you're setting them up really to be super effective in turn five and six, where they're right. just sort of plinking away, plinking away, plinking away, and hoping that your opponents are more concerned with everything else. It's just uh, they're a little bit pricey, and it, it really depends on what your opponents. You know, it depends on your meta. You're paying a lot of extra points compared to the elf clansmen, aren't you? You know, there's, what is it, 60 yeah, extra points. Yeah. And, like, yes, you get some good special rules, but is it enough to be 60 points more? I don't know if it is. Yeah, it's just a just a tad on the little too expensive uh, for me to be like, yeah, I'm adding those uh, Icekin uh, hunters in there. Because, I mean, thematically, going with the Icekin theme we were talking about early on in the thing, it kind of works to have these elite scouts, you know, the masters yeah. of the tundra run around hunting stuff down but one thing that gets me is they don't have the frostbound keyword i wish they did that, well, that I mean, is that's, that's, that's for everything right just have all well, the things frostbound. i wish i wish a lot more stuff <laughs> had the frostbound keyword and we'll probably talk about that a little bit later but yes the um i really wish ice kin hunters in particular were frostbound okay and then we've got the single swarm entry felix do you want to take us through the snow foxes Yes, sir. Go with the Snow Foxes, which uh, tracks about the same round of eye roll that I got when I brought my beast packs from my herd army back in the day. So uh, <laughs> nice to see that hasn't changed. Uh, so your Snow Foxes, you got their, uh, again, they only come in regiment because they're swarms. Uh, so they still count as unit strength one regardless. Uh, they're speed eight, melee five, defense two. Uh, they come with 10 attacks, 911 nerve, and 80 points. Uh, for their special rules, they are nimble, pathfinder, stealthy, and the all-important vicious in melee. Um, and the keyword of beast, which you know doesn't have anything just yet, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe eventually. So, like that's definitely this is definitely the unit that you kind of look at, kind of like the beast packs in in the old herd, or uh, I forget what they're called now, Gur Panthers in uh, you know the forces of nature list. You're just like, yep, there's my chaff piece. Um, especially because they've got the the nimble and pathfinder. I mean, you can get them just about anywhere you want, and they, and they can be very annoying for your opponent depending on what you need to do. Like last second, like ah oh, crap, there's a potential flank exposure. Let me go, you know, move these bad boys over here, and, and you can get away with that. But uh, yeah, 80 points is, I mean, definitely that, that cheap price point for throwing away a unit. So One of the best units we have uh, as an Oregon yeah. Alliance player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're talking best chaff, chaff, you'd say, in the game. Stealthy. That stealthy comes in handy more than people think, especially when it's 
uh, they want to waste time going against that. When you still move eight, nimble Pathfinder, you can hide behind a hill. Because out, out here we play with height three hills mostly. So you can hide behind that against most shooters, jump out 16 inches and still block something. Uh, yes, that's, yes, that's great. Yeah, and how easy, I, like, if you position properly with impassable terrain, like, you could block, you could technically block a, hus, a Husqvarl and something else easily with just one. And, uh, uh, heck, I've, blo- I've blocked two Husqvarl regiments with two of those, as well as a fro- uh, Frim. And the opponent goes, you did that with two? And he goes, oh, this sucks. So he had to bring in all of his tyrants. Because if not, I was going to get him. And, you know, we, we win that trade-off 100% of the time. I, I agree, Dustin. From an opponent point of view, I, I think snow foxes are hands down. They've, if they're not the best, they're close to the best chaff in the game. And I think I think stealthy does make all the difference. The stealthy and the pathfinder are the are the real winners there for me. Because yeah, you're going through anything. You're you're going to shrug off a little bit of light shooting. They're just yeah, they're pretty awesome. Yeah, my my thing would be is to say that they are a bit of a finesse unit in that you need to sort of think about them. Um, unlike, say, the dwarf clansmen regiments, which you sort of set and forget, you know, you've you've got some objectives that are sort of in your half of the board and you line them up at deployment and then they sit on them and then they just sit there for the rest of the game and no one's going to attack them because they're not going to be through them, rah, rah, rah. Whereas with snow foxes, they can die pretty quick. Um, yes, they can get anywhere, uh, like the guy said, and they can really do some great work in blocking up charges and setting up... Um, you know, nice flanks and things like that. But they're like, you've got one turn to do it in because they will die. And so you've got to sort of know what you're doing. Um, but no, they're fantastic. They, I almost always run two, two regiments of them, um, almost always. Okay, so we might slide into a brief break before moving on. Do you take delight in playing with friends and their toys in a safe place free of judgment? Countercharge after dark. It's where magic happens. Check the show notes and Facebook group announcements for the Discord link. And welcome back. And now we're going to move into the large infantry section. And uh, to take us through our first unit will be King of the Ice Elementals himself, Dustin. All right, we're going to talk about probably the worst unit in this army. It's Ice Elementals. B6, melee 4 plus, defense 5. They come in a regiment and a horde with 2 unit strength, 3 unit strength, with 9 attacks, 18 attacks, 14 nerve, and a 17 nerve, both fearless. Uh, For points, it's 145 and 240. What sets them apart is their Crush 1 shambling, or soul shambling unit. And they have Icy Breath. Now, their Icy Breath is also at Piercing 1, which I will remind the listener that it's a spell and not a normal ranged attack. So it would only take cover. It's, yeah, uh, cop that. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. It's a, it's a beautiful model that Mantic made. Uh, I designed my whole army because I had to have a 90% Mantic army around the Ice Elemental. I'm also a big fan of Shambling. This is our Shambling unit. So... Uh, it tends to, it's a very good unit, obviously. Um, if you are uh, comfortable with short range shooting, which most Abyssal Dwarf people are, and that was my first army in Kings of War, um, if you play with Shambling, which 
I play EOD and Abyssal Dwarves a lot in Forces of Nature. So uh, because of that, this unit was designed for my play style really well. Um, it has weaknesses, as most do. With this newest FAQ, I can't do my normal shenanigan with the court, the new corkscrew screw, uh, surge job I've been doing to people, but it still works. It uh, allows for sloppy players like me who uh, are slow to make up for it with surge. So well, what do you other guys think about it? They're, they're great. So I've pretty much since I started running the Ice Elementals, I've had a dream, and this has been my dream, um, of shooting one unit and then surging them into another unit and killing two units in one round, um, in one game turn. Um, I have thrown away two games now trying this strategy. <laughs> Nearly. I've, I've wavered them, um, but I haven't actually uh, killed them, whereas the better play would have always been to shoot and surge the same target. But I really, really want to make it work where I take off two things in one round. They're great. They're, they're, they are a finesse unit, like any sort of surge unit. You know, you've got to sort of know what you're going. You've got to plan things out. Um, and the counter to them, you know, once once they're disordered, um, their damage drops a lot. But their damage ceiling is really high. They can, if if you're up against an opponent who doesn't have a counter for them or doesn't know how to manage them or you've just brought, I don't know, let's say four or six hordes, there's not a lot people can do about it and they can just smash stuff. Does anyone take four hordes? So, uh... Yeah, it'd be pretty gross. Sure. I wouldn't yeah, think yeah. that a person of integrity. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, I have a feeling Dustin might have achieved your dream many times over. Taz. Yeah, <laughs> the other day when I was playing, uh, it works so well with so what? As all three of us, all, all four of us, have played a lot. What's the weakness of melee four armies? It's in snare, right? And and snare mm-hmm. units tend to be low defense, four, three, you know, four or three. So their weakness is fire, uh, like fireball, short range shooting. So it kind of takes the best of both worlds. It's uh, what it's normally weak against. It has an option to shoot it off beforehand. And that's the beautiful part about it. If you're weak against a snare, you're good against it. And with the you're the same as, uh, you're the same as most Cav. And then when you freeze things that are movement five, now you're dwarf speed. So you get two rounds of shooting against it. So when you're fighting those axe horde, those even clan okay you freeze them once you get two rounds of shooting per horde um with people trying to uh chaff you up so if someone runs at you as snow dogs you move forward you shoot the unit behind it go ahead and surge into that you'll kill them with one round of combat and uh that's happened with four ups you live by the four up you die by the four up so sometimes yeah i've had it spike where uh the opponent who was one of our questionnaire uh question axers at the end of the podcast he had it happen where I spiked and did like 12 wounds to a foot paladin unit with one horde was shooting. And the next round of shooting, I did two wounds. But that 12 wounds in one round is huge. And you never know with four ups. Yeah. So one thing with Ice Elementals is you look at the costs. So they're 240 for a horde, plus you've got to pay for a, uh, a source of surge which is pretty expensive in the Northern Alliance army. So you are investing a lot of points. So let's say you run two hordes of ice. I mean, I've only ever run two hordes. I've never, I mean, I guess you could run one horde, but I know it feels weird. But already that's pretty much a third of your army is tied up in the two hordes of ice elementals plus the one or two sources of, you know, surge, if, depending on what you're doing. They are frostbound though, which is uh, really important. Yes. And, and that's the beautiful part. I think you're right. One's okay, but two tend to work the best. 
uh, I think two is the magic number um, when it comes to ISO minerals. And, but I have to disagree with our price of surge. Our, uh, our queen is one of the best surge casters there are. Uh, sure, to me, sure. I think she's a huge bargain compared to my other armies. Uh, <laughs> to my other compared to all my other armies, I think she's the biggest bargain for surge you can get. And Felix, do you have any thoughts on these guys? Yeah, they're okay. They're all right, you know. Um, <laughs> I think I actually have done, but I had to combo. I had done what Taz was talking about, but I ended up having to combo charge them with another unit. Um, then it was funny. Was, that, that, then doesn't count. Yeah, that, that has to be a solid shot. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, it was funny because I charged in with another unit, and then I was shooting at something on top of the hill. I was like, all right, I'm going to search. He's like, you're never going to hit that unit first, right? I said, yep. <laughs> like, yep you're right i'm gonna hit that other unit first so boom boom slain it was like a horde of great axe or something like that it just so i ended up getting the combo charge with the great axe took off the chap you know on top of the hill and then managed to combo and kill that great axe so that that was fun um yes they're very good i'm still trying to figure out if it's two or three hordes is the best answer for me uh i didn't notice that like the amount of fits i could give my opponent like went up exponentially with that third horde but like i said that points cost. I mean, that's really, you know, you're paying a premium for that ability to shoot and serve yeah. and yeah. all that stuff. So, I mean, they don't come cheap, but it is a really good unit. So With three hordes, you don't even have to, like, so your opponent can come at you and expose no flanks and give you no surge shenanigans. And you can just straight up frosty breath them in the face, surge them in the front and still take them out. And that, yeah. that is immensely frustrating for your opponents. It's just like, there's nothing I can do about this, you know, other than have stuff that I didn't bring in my list. But there's nothing, you know, there's no gameplay sort of tactics or whatever that I can do that will mitigate the fact that you are just going to do, you know, 12, 18 wounds or whatever. Yeah, and I can't, I can't stop you. Um, yeah, so. I, I had an experience at the Best of the Rest GT where a guy flew, I think it was Apop- Ap- Apophis? into a, a horde of ice elementals failed to break them and so in my turn i pulled back my inch maybe an inch plus for my withdrawal plus pull back because they were already you know disordered so they couldn't shoot i moved in another one into the flank shot him and then surged the other one back and then surged the other one back into the flank so it was just you know it's a pretty dirty combo i think it was like 54 attacks going into apophis at one point it just well, plopped him up you know that's the beautiful part. Uh, they are the perfect anti-aircraft unit. We're talking, you could ally both of them in under 2,000 point game. Two hordes and Ice Queen. She inspires them. And add, now you have anti-air in any army for second wave. They fly over you, 36 ice, and then search. One great injustice, I think, that Mantic must address is the fact that they don't have Pathfinder. Only elementals <laughs> without Pathfinder. Um, I don't know. They're. That's just... All right, that's enough out of you, Taz. I can't believe they kept the piercing with the with the uh, with the update. I thought they were going to lose the piercing on their breath attacks for sure. Shush, shush, shush. Yeah, right, I know, just... I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interestingly, so if you do go for the extremely themey three or more hordes, what's what's your ratio of hordes to surge casters? Do you guys think? Well, you could make you could make it work with one. I, I took two, but I also wanted, you know, 10 heal because I took Krim just from modeling pers- uh, perspective. I wanted to take Krim. So because I was taking four hordes and Krim, I had to take two casters because I had to mm-hmm. keep him 
lot because that's a lot. That's a very dangerous way to play with that much. Like I don't, I don't tend to like that elite of an army, but uh, that right there, I had to take two uh, with EO, my, with casters. Yeah, yeah. My my rule is um, one source of casting per one point five things. Of, so like if I run two two hordes, I would have two casters. If I ran three hordes, I'd still just run two casters. One, two hordes, I might run one. I mean, it, it depends. You, you know, you're working on points and stuff like this. But I like, I mean, we'll probably get it into it when we talk about the Ice Queens, but I like one with extra surge and one, another one with extra heal. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, mm. it's definitely, uh, it's like the, it's like the, Ma, Grant, it's like the Tarkin doctrine uh, from Star Wars. You know, it's like the threat of surge is almost as great as the actual surge itself. So, um, if I'm, I'm like Dustin, if I'm going to have multiple surge casters, it's a lot of it's because of, I just need that heal. And a lot but, of times your opponent is way better at thinking about how you're going to use surge than you are. So they're like, Oh, <laughs> I can't do this because he will do that. And this is like, Oh, well, I wouldn't right. have done that. Cause I wouldn't have thought of it, but you did. Right. So that's fine. But it's um, that threat of surge really inhibits your opponent's thinking. It's just like, okay, I need to be able to do this and that because I'm worried about this and that. And like you said, you might not even thought about it, but it's just like, one okay. one thing that is a concern, especially as well, no, I should say in Australia we're starting to get back to in-person tournaments. Um, but when in-person tournaments start coming back, as opposed to UB tournaments, is armies that depend on surge and making good decisions with surge. When you're playing, you know, game three of the day or you know, game three day two, the mental load and mental fatigue can be a real issue. And it's just like this works, but only if I really maximise the you know offensive output of the unit by setting up those flanks and getting them in and it can often take a couple of turns to do that you know you jam them up with snow foxes which means they can't come in in a steady line which means there's that one inch sort of stagger or you've set things up so that you're you, you know you, you've staggered your line purposefully you know so you're setting things up so that there is that that one inch gap that you can surge the the flanks that you can surge your ice elementals into and it all works great when you're mentally on top of things and if you're in a tournament you know like a six or seven game tournament you can't always rely on that depending all right so we're going to move on to the single entry in the standard cavalry and that's the tundra wolves dustin do you can you run us through that oh sure let me get that up okay so with the tundra wolves you have a troop and a regiment it's both going to be b9 melee three defense four uh, you're going to have nine attacks for the troop, 18 for the regiment. 10, 12 nerve, 13, 15 for the regiment. A 115, or magic number, for the troop, and a 180 for the regiment. They're going to be nimble and thunder charge one. Okay, and uh, do you ever take them? Oh, I've ran three with much success, actually, around here. They're beautiful zone controls. You could make them with your first drops because they're so fast. They work great on hills. Uh, I've run three troops, that is. And um, if you get a flank with nine attacks hitting on threes, being now 18 attacks, you're hurting normal size units with a troop. Um, if you want to give them the cheap old offensive items for regiments, which is brew of strength, you're hitting the same. You're hitting just as hard as Mountain Sons of Kurgan or cheaper with move nine nimble. Uh, I, I love them. There are options to make a cav unit. Um, it depends how you build your list, but they are good for zone control, if anything else. And 
Yeah, the only downside, well, not the downside of them, they're speed nine, right? So they're a very, very fast unit, but a lot of the time, you know, nothing else is. So they're sort of sitting, they kind of got to wait for the rest of the army so they can come in with a combined attack and hit everything at once because you don't want to throw them away turn one or two just attacking on their own. I mean, sometimes you do, but most of the time you don't. And so they kind of got to wait for the rest of the army to get into position elsewhere. But no, they're great. And yeah, for 115 points, you're looking at, you know, do I want these? Do I want half-elf berserkers? Do I want dwarf clansmen? And they're all great options and they're all legitimate in different circumstances and in different metas. But yeah, no, they're they're cool. And you can get some really great models, a lot of different modeling ranges to do some really cool wolves. Felix, got anything to add there, mate? I mean, nothing that really adds to what hasn't already been said. I mean, like I said, like they're saying, speed nine, nimble, that's that's a big premium, you know. Uh, and that's one thing I've noticed when it comes to this edition is that things that are fast and nimble tend to get priced up a little bit more. Um, but like uh, Dustin was saying, the zone control that you can get out of it's pretty uh, crazy. For me, the reason I haven't played them more often is uh, because, well, uh, in an army that kind of, you know, can points can get up pretty taken up pretty quickly, you know, in, in a 22,000 or 2300 point list, even um, having something that doesn't unlock for me, you know, kind of makes it hard for me to make that decision. But like I said, that 115 point range that we've mentioned a couple times can be filled up with a bunch of other things. Um, but I've had decent success, you know, with the troops a couple times I've ran them, but uh, you know, just haven't not something I feel comfortable enough. Uh, Cause like Taz, um, Instead, you know, those Tundra Wolves can have their, you know, they can have their, their butt cheeks hanging out in the open for, you know, a turn while support's coming up behind because it can be a slower army if you're not careful with placing uh, where you're going to get their charges with them. But overall, not a bad unit, though. Okay, and we'll move on to the monstrous, uh, monstrous infantry and large cavalry section. Taz, why don't you take us through the Snow Trolls? Yeah, sure. Okay, so these are snow trolls. They're monstrous infantry, so they're on a 50 mil base. Uh, speed 6, melee 4, no ranged, and defense 5. They come in regiments and hordes. Um, unit strength 2 and 3, 9 attacks and 18 attacks, so standard uh, attack profile. 12, 15 nerve, and 15, 18 nerve, so they've got that typical troll extra uh, wavering point spread. 130 points and 220 points for the regiment and the horde. And their special rules are crushing two, regen five, vicious in melee, and wild charge one. These are the like the sort of platonic hybrid unit. They can take a beating uh, at the horde level and they can put out a beating. So 220 points, they sit. They often compete for me with Huskals. So a Huskal regiment is 225 and a Snow Troll horde is 220. However, you always want to run, like if you're running Snow Trolls, you always want to put the Fury and Headstrong items on them, which means that they're really sort of 235. So, yeah. But no, Snow Trolls are fantastic. I At the moment, I run two hordes of Snow Trolls um, in pretty much every, every list that I run because they're a big whack of unit strength that you can't ignore. They're hard to take down. They can put out a bunch of hurt. Their speed is really handy. So, and with a wild charge, so they've got that threat range of 13 inches, which is really nice. Uh, the regen means they hang around. The melee four can be problematic, but they'll grind out sort of a lot of things. So, yeah, no, I um, I really like them. After not liking them initially, when I looked at them, I thought, nah, Huskals are just straight up better. 
but now I've really sort of mellowed on the both of them in that the snow trolls are more survivable than the huskiles, and that can actually be really, really useful. Has anyone else got anything to add regarding the I think snow they're, trolls? Yeah, they're a great hybrid unit, like you said. Uh, I had the same dilemma with them because I had some cool models for snow trolls. And um, the, literally, I like fire elementals a lot. And to me, it's, hey, here's some fire elementals. You lose Stambling in Pathfinder, but you get region five up in that wild charge one. So to me, it's a no-brainer. They, they work really well. Depends on how, like my caveat to everything, depends on the rest of the list and your meta. But in generalized all, all comers, this is a good unit. And like uh, Tass said, it's, it outgrinds most people. And I always run it with the uh, the Thane with Talonar standard, so the rallying one. So they. Yeah, uh, I was going to talk about that. Bring yeah, that oh, you go. You go later. for it. Yeah, you go for it. Well, no, uh, like I said, it's. Uh, I said maybe <laughs> maybe you can convince me of this because I'm kind of the opposite of the next unit we're going to be talking about is like the other unit I really love that sort of soured upon, and this one I was really kind of like you said was really kind of like, eh, you know, like. It's a it's a massive base size because it's the fifty by fifty you know so it's a massive footprint you know it's got that normal troll waiver you know gap that just is you know doesn't matter where they're from in Panathor they all get dumb pretty easily when they get hit in the head really hard um, um, but yeah I mean it's it's sort of you know like I said you pair it up with that 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 Talonar standard which we'll talk about when we get to the heroes section. Yeah, I, I've not ran them enough. I, I literally, I think I calculated it out. I have enough for basically, not full model count, but I can do with five trolls per horde. I have enough for three hordes of trolls, I'd like to yeah, say. Yeah, they send and you an absolute ton of them in the box. Yeah, and then I bought super heavy into the, the, the Vanguard Kickstarter. So, like, I just have a ton of snow trolls. So, maybe that's something I do need to paint up and in, in, in start employing them, but uh, I just haven't got to that point yet so maybe this will this maybe this will convince me to start rolling some, rolling nah, they're, some snow trolls. they're good like so the yeah two hordes of snow trolls with so with a fury and headstrong item it means that their nerve comes into 19 and for the horde which takes some real shifting they're not necessarily always going to survive like they die most games but they take so much attention because of the regen and stuff like this like people have to alpha strike them no one wants right. to get caught in a grind with them, so then people are devoting so much stuff to them. And then if you've got the dwarves sitting back that'll take a couple of turns to die, and you've got, you know, Huskars or Frostfangs or something else that's a real sort of melee threat that's chewing through stuff, um, they can be a tricky problem to solve. And so it, it all comes down to your philosophy of do you want a hybrid unit or do you just want specialists? Because if you're wanting like a Tarpit unit, the Ice Naiads are better. And if you're wanting an, a pure Hammer unit, obviously Huskars or Frostfangs are better. But your snow trolls are your your really good hybrid unit. Um, so yeah, it, and it just depends on if you want that in your list building. Okay, and so now we've got the hard hitting hammer, the frostfang cavalry. Uh, given that this is also your nickname, Felix, why don't you run us through it? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the hard hitting hammer. Oh, isn't that yeah, what they call you? I'm sure, yeah? that's yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Trade market. <laughs> so you got the Frostfang Cavalry, which are the slightly faster-ish element of the Northern Alliance swing that I've ran before. Coming in at speed 7, 
uh, melee four up, which you know live by the four, die by the four, but uh, that gets somewhat mitigated uh, by later on statistics. Uh, defense five, they come in regiments and hordes with unit strength two and three respectively. They come with fifteen and thirty attacks, and there's that uh, four plus mitigation that can happen. Uh, coming in at twelve, fourteen nerve, fifteen, seventeen nerve at the horde level, uh, one hundred and sixty the regiment and 265 at the horde level. Uh, the special rules are crush two strider and wild charge one. So um, that is definitely, like I mentioned earlier was a unit that I really loved early on. I think I've got two hordes of Frostfang painted up and ready to go. Ah, that's 265 points for a 1517 nerve unit. In my opinion, is just a little steep yeah, price to pay for something that can just go. And no built-in fury or headstrong that you have to add those items into. It's just like, oh yeah, there's there's a fifth of my army gone in one go, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, I was I was I went through the same journey. I think I first looked at this list and I thought, right, Frostfangs, that's what I'm running. And I didn't actually run them at first because I thought they were such an obvious pick, and I wanted to be all you know special snowflake. I'm not going to run them, but then I did start running them. Like they're easy to use. Strider makes them very easy to use. You don't have to set up flanks or anything like that. You just punch people in the face, and you know, 30 attacks hitting on fours with crushing two. Uh, you're taking out a lot of units just on that charge. Um, however, it's their survivability. Is, is the real issue because they're on such a massive base size. They'll charge in, they'll kill something, and then they'll have a devil of a time positioning themselves into a spot where they're not getting reared or flanked the next turn. And they can get shot to death pretty quick because they're height four. Um, it's hard to screen them in a way that prevents right. them getting shot. So, yeah, what I ended up doing was swapping out my two hordes of frost fangs for two hordes of snow trolls. Less, less damage, but a lot more survivability. And so it's just like, what do you want? One charge from the Frost Fangs or two or three charges from the Snow Trolls? It is generally how it happened because every, like, they're a massive bullet magnet. And you know everyone looks at them mm-hmm. and just thinks my whole counter deployment and everything is based on jamming up and killing those Frost Fangs really quick. So, yeah, no, they, they are a fantastic unit, though. Like, believe me, like, they've, they've won so many games for me just through there's nothing you can do about it. I'm just going to punch you in the mouth and... You're dead. They're great models too. The the models are cool. Um, right. I wish they weren't. You got to do a lot of work to make them not monopose. But the the resin mantic models look awesome. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, it's like apply frost cav problem to the forehead, and it just really it doesn't take a whole lot to to to, to deliver their yeah. killing power. Does not require a lot of power to keep them alive for more than one turn of combat. Does require some. So what if they're a little bit of a win more win more army? So against like beginning to moderate players, they're fantastic, right? But and against really good players, they can get really exposed. They're the weaknesses of their like they are not that fast, so they get hit by flying units first and 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 taken out. And that fifteen seventeen nerve and the the wavering and stuff like that can really make them um, a problem. Um, and it's just like, and against beginning and middling players, you're probably going to beat them anyway with other options. Um, so right. they're, they're a little bit of a trap. Um, like they look awesome, but it's just, they're, they're so expensive. And so you run two hordes of those, maybe you're running some items. Um, and then all of a sudden that's, you know, sort of 600 points and then you've got to have someone inspiring with them. So you're looking at like maybe up to 800 points 
that can be kind of jammed up and ignored and and delayed right. until you know they're the last man standing and then they get taken out in one turn. It's I don't know. They, they've won me a lot of games, but I suspect I might have won those games anyway, and yeah. they've cost me games as well. Um, yeah, I've definitely I've had those games where it's just like, why did I even bother bringing five hundred and thirty points worth of units because they just died, you know? Yeah. In two turns of combat, you know, it's just like, and they, you know, having killed nothing but maybe a chaff piece, you know, so it's like definitely not getting your points back on those points trades. Um, especially because I know like anything large cav, I know Chris Kapsner from uh, Minnesota here in the Midwest, uh, he always said for those large cav units, it's, it's, it's two or none, you know, like no, don't yeah, really yeah. bother bringing just one because you want to talk about, we mentioned earlier about, you know, shooting targets like there's your shooting target hey there's that height four thing with 30 attacks in crush two like let's take that thing out before it gets anywhere near my army you know one a lot thing, harder to do that with just two running around i have experimented with running one horde of frost fangs sitting behind a horde of ice knights so you put the ice knights in the middle of the board and then normally people don't really want to engage with it but you've got the frost fangs sort of sitting behind them knowing that they're going to hit you know they're going to sort of come around. If it is, it's just tricky. Like, I don't know, they're expensive. I mean, they're a lot of fun and they look awesome. Uh, but I think the Frost Fangs are better in the heroes as opposed to the, the unit. Right. I think it's one of those things, like, if you are just to deliver killing capability, it requires very little thought. But to have it not be just a cruise missile and, and die after one turn of combat requires a lot more attention and points investment and, and probably yeah. time than... For them to win their points to back, for them to kill like 300 points worth of stuff is, is a lot harder than it seems like. They can definitely kill like 200 points of stuff. You know, there's not a lot that people can do to stop that, but to actually make money on them um, is is harder than it looks. Right. But again, I love the models. I love, I love the, the unit on paper. I just, especially when it comes to like, I'm not playing 5,000 point games of Kings of War like the points I need to put in at a 2,000 or 2,300 point army is just like, ugh. These are another unit that if they were frostbound and so got the benefit from the, the healing and stuff like that, um, that would that would change it significantly in terms of their viability um, right. at, at a higher level. But for right now, for what they are, um, they're, they're pretty good. Um, you know, they're, they're never about it. You know, 30 attacks with Crushing 2 is... Never anything to sneeze at, but it's just that fifteen seventeen height four means they are so they're not that difficult to take off. Yeah, especially under the old rules for ignores cover, like it was really hard. Like I was like, all right, I just got to hide behind this forest the entire time because I've got these dwarf cannons staring at me that can see me over the hill and yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> take no take no modifiers. It's like, oh, this is great. Now, thankfully, with the Halpy's Rift stuff, it makes it a little bit, you know, I can at least put them in the woods to kind of, you know. Well, the number of times I've been charged in the front by a dragon and they've wavered the horde. Yeah. You know, just straight off 10 attacks from the dragon. And, you know, the dragon does, um, you know, six, six, seven wounds and then they get wavered. And it's just like, ugh. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, anything else to add about those? No. All right. So we've got two options in the Monster Titan unlock section, um, or Monster Titan section. We've got the Cavern Dweller and the Frost Giant. Dustin, do you want to tell us about the Cavern Dweller? Oh, I've been waiting for this moment. So, yeah, <laughs> the, the monster, the Cavern Dweller, 
is a speed six, melee three plus, defense five. It's going to have D6 plus six attacks and a 16, 18 nerve. And they cost 210 with crushing strength three, life leech three, and strider. I, I have run this at every tournament with these. I'm kind of known as the monster guy in my region, plus the U.S. So I could say that a doubt I like these. Because since our frost giant no longer has fury, or and he doesn't have fury, I'd rather have life leech three. And how easy is it to get a 50, a 50 mil in someone's flank? It's every game uh, you can get. Uh, it's easy to set up at Strider. We, we need Strider in our army. Other than Frostbang equivalents, we have not much terrain mitigation. This is a terrain mitigator. And on a 50 mil being a one higher nerve than the you know, the standard 1517, you add the Thane. If you wanted to make up 1619 with Life Leech 3, he doesn't even, he could actually operate away from the heel pretty fine. So, big fan. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. They, it's the monster slot, which is handy. They they do a lot of work. They're survivable with the Life Leech 3. No, they're, they're great. Well, it's the Life three, Leech 3 combination with Death 5, right, that yeah. makes him so so yeah. survivable. Yeah. I mean, what a what a great unit. Right. Shorter than getting wavered, they are definitely healing themselves up pretty damn good. Um, and like Dustin said, getting that 50 mil into flanks is so much easier than a 75. I've only ran them in a handful of games, but they have been money. <laughs> They're great. Yeah, they're great if you're really um, stacked up in terms of you've taken a lot of heroes um, because Lord on a Frostfang, obviously, for this point, for 210 points, you can get Lord on a Frostfang. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but that's always, you know, that's the opportunity cost. But this takes up a monster slot, not a hero slot. So there are times when you can't you can't run any more Lords on Frostfang um, than you can run Cavern Dwellers. So, and they're great. And the survivability is really handy. Every once in a fight someone an opponent i think we all fought this person who takes a lot of characters like a lot of individuals and i have fought them with these cavern dwellers and they mistakenly try to double charge him fail to kill him and they in result gave me life leech six flash nine because when you overrun into a new combat you get that life leech three again (laughs) 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 and that's why they call him the monster guy yeah that is rough and the model that's coming out from Antic for this looks awesome too. Yeah, from yeah. the League of Infamy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I'm um I'm definitely going to get that model when it comes out, and I've been running it like on UB and stuff like that. Like it's yeah, they're great option. Mm. Um, and Felix, do you want to do the Frost Giant for us? Well, I think Dustin had something he was going to say. Oh, sorry, Dustin. No, no, I was going to say uh, uh that Cavern Dweller properly done. Uh, that's my two. I have only a handful of non-Antic models right now. But I'll be painting that one up with the, once that new one is released. Yeah, I definitely already ordered. So now I'm getting the League of Infamy. I also ordered an additional Cavern Dweller on top of that League of Infamy. So I'll be having two coming my way. So oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to check that model out. I don't know if I'm. Uh, I can't remember it from the Kickstarter. I'm assuming. Hope well. I'm hoping that some of those single models that are part of League of Infamy fairly quickly transition into sale for Kings of War because they won't. Yeah. Have, they wouldn't have as much of a volume problem as some of the box sets, but uh, right. we can hope. Yeah. I mean, their resin <laughs> departments are right, pretty yeah. under the pump at the moment. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Also of note, uh, for the Cavern Dweller, it's got the keywords of blind and cannibal. So 
Besides yeah, something like a pretty cool metal band. That into it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Blind Candle sounds like a cool band, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be <laughs> interested to see what they end up doing with it. Found, damn it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can't have everything. But I know, but I want everything. Right. Felix, do you want to take us through the Frost Giant? All right. So the uh, more. This is like the Midwest, the flyover region. We'll just fly over this uh, this year. Yeah. Right we um, yeah it's a the tight it's a titan it's a spellcaster level zero so it can't be hex sorry uh you know abyssal dwarves um speed seven melee four up defense five up it's unit strength one uh it's a titan so defense or height six it's d6 plus eight attacks 1820 nerf 230 points its special rules are brutal crushing four strider and then it's got the spell of icy breath eight like we mentioned earlier, it does not have fury like a lot of other giants, which is why uh, I tell people if you can, you get the 30 extra points to upgrade to the special name character, which we'll talk about later on in the episode. If you can't, find the 30 freaking points to upgrade to the other guy. Cause yes, yeah, yeah. You, you, you take the, if you need the slot, you take the cavern dweller. If you've got the points, take him. There is just literally no reason to run a vanilla frost giant. Right. Oh, which Felix, is... do, you want to, do you want to just do him now? Yeah, I can for comparison. Um, yeah, let's do that. So Hrim is basically the legendary uh, special character version of it, of this. Yeah, and he's uh, – I call him uh, – uh, usually when I – when you like one-shot you, I call it a Hrim job. But uh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but anyway. who, who doesn't enjoy that? <laughs> yeah, uh, my opponents evidently. So, uh, so the speed, uh, melee, and defense stats are the same, so 7, 4, and 5 respectively. He gets D6 plus 10, so he's an upgrade of two more attacks on the roll over the regular uh, Frost Giant. He's dash 20 nerve, so not only is he he's, he's, he's just more killy, he's actually, he doesn't waver at all because he's fearless. Uh, 30 extra points, so 260 points over the 230. Uh, same brutal, crush 4, uh, Strider as well. He's very inspiring for Frostbound only, so if you have that Frostbound-centric list, he can even inspire... Um, if he gets thrown into, you know, kind of the need to portion, or if he's on a flank with something, he can, he's also inspiring himself. So he can kind of run off on his own if he needs to. Yeah. Uh, but he also comes with icy breath 12 and he's also a spellcaster zero. So not only is he more attacks, he's fearless compared to the regular frost giant. And he's got more icy breath than the normal frost giant. So like I said, if you can give the 30 points upgrade to him, if you can't find the 30 points, find the freaking 30 points drop drop some items or something get that 30 points because he's just so much yeah. better than the frost giants yeah. which is yeah. sad because i would love to have an army of like two or three frost giants just like running around you know you know just playing pinball with uh with opposing armies but uh that lack of fury just even in the few games i've ran frost giants in i've had that one or two turns where they just stand there because some opponent ran up did two wounds and box card them and they're just standing there like an idiot, wondering what what kicked him in the shin. So, yeah, I was recently challenged to run Frost Giant, make Frost Giants work for this next DT. So I will be running a Frost Giant, but I have to run Prim because I could, we call him a different name down here, but I can't really say that on a broadcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, he works very well little brother. But like I said, y'all nailed it. Uh, if you have a Frost Giant, you got to take the big daddy. Take yeah. him every time. 
Like I try to, I could even fit him in a 1995 list, and people are like, "Why are you taking him?" I was like, "You'll see." Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Now nah, he kicks yeah, ass. Yeah, even at yeah. 1995, there's you'd be hard pressed to find too many units that could really just take care of him easily. Like he'd be stuck in the grind, and then plus him being frostbound, the ice queens can heal him up, and yeah, he can be. Super nasty. So I was running him at lower points games, and I was dropping my my horde of ice naiads or whatever, and I was running him as the anvil unit. So he was the anvil in the middle, and the ice elementals were sitting behind him, getting inspired by him and stuff. And he was marching up, and with his icy breath and stuff, you can't, you know, he can march seven and you know do icy breath for ten. So he's got an effective threat of seventeen, which is not nothing, but it can clear some chaff and stuff like that. And you just can't ignore him, and he takes a while to die. And especially if you've got a um, a healing ice queen around. Now nah, he's he's great, and it's an awesome model. Mantic's Mantic's frost giant model is great. So yeah, it's it's cool to be able to run it. Um, and you get to you know there's lots of funny names you can say with him. Or I like to do the rim 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 rim. <laughs> you know when he's coming in from the thing. So it's just great. Nah, I love it. Yeah, I've definitely, I've been on more than a couple occasions, been known to choose my units for an army based purely off of the puns I can make when they move. <laughs> like with my uh, Abyssal's Impin Ain't Easy, you know, uh, you know, stuff like Frim, 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 Frim. Oh, gosh. I had some <laughs> <of those laughs> <from> <laughs> yeah, how those were fun. Uh, you know, the base aliens, you know, the Elohi, Eloha. You know, just <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah, doing do, being able to do stuff with Frim in terms of like puns just it just fits my yeah. my uh, mm. my thing. Uh, I use Frim bone. So I understand. So I mean, you guys have pretty much spoken to it here, but we had a viewer question from a local uh, who, Julian Merkett, who by chance actually has a themed werewolf army where he does all snow trolls and all the giants. I think it's got about three giants plus Rim, and then the rest are snow trolls with a couple of characters. But he said, why would you take a frost giant over the cabin dweller? And I mean, I think you guys have pretty much answered that and you, you said would. you wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> Unfortunately, in, it, in its current case, the only thing is, is it's got the frostbound tag and the cavern dweller doesn't, which right. means that the frost giant can benefit from the very inspiring that gets thrown out by Hrim or by the Ice Queen and can benefit from sort of some extra healing, as in half a point. But it's so marginal that the you know you're you're paying 20 points more for a worse unit yeah i don't know there's uh, unfortunately the frost giant right now is not viable it it, it works well with the new Hoppy's rift character that's the because mm. her to life you take multiples but then you're so heavily invested in frost giant why did you do yeah. that? yeah yeah not not viable or not worth it compared to other the other options Right, in context. Yeah. So on its yeah. own, it's fine. It's just in context of the other options available to you, um, you're really taking the suboptimal choice. But in and of itself, it's uh, it, 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 it's fine. It, it's fine. Right. Yeah. And like I said, okay. unless you want to, if you want to do a themey, you know, like like I said, just having a whole bunch of frost giants, just you know, run, running amok all over the battlefield. Cool. You want that? But uh, you know. Is it as optimal? Probably not. Mm. Yeah. All right. And the final entry before we go into the hero section is the single war engine entry, which is the Icekin bolt thrower. Taz, why don't you tell us about that? 
Um, yeah, sure. So it's a war engine, speed six, which is very, very useful. Range four, defense four, no unit strength, two attacks, uh, 10, 12 nerve um, for 95 points. So it's 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 a bolt thrower. So 48 inch blast D3, elite and ranged, piercing two and reload. The big thing that sets it apart from the regular elf bolt thrower is it has ice tipped bolts, which means it applies frozen to units that it damages. Uh, <sighs> Again, this is another unit that I've wanted to work. Um, I like the idea of being able to tag Frozen at a distance and then comboing it with Blizzard and stuff like that. It's just too many points for no unit strength and for something that can be mitigated a lot through cover. You know, it can't. Oftentimes, it you know can't see over hills, can't see over forests, gets affected by cover and things like that. So it has the issue that all non um, ignores cover war machines have. It's probably too static, but no, it's pretty cool. Um, I just wish there was a little bit more you could do with Frozen. At the moment, Frozen is a little bit of a gimmick rather than a sort of a powerful rule that you can build your build your battle plan around. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about Because that's what it, what it is. You know, it chucks on a few points of damage and gives Frozen is what it does. Right. I've only ever to have it like, uh, like I say, it's it's basically the same. Like you said, it's, it's bolt throwers. It's a bolt thrower issue. Like you don't really see a whole lot of bolt throwers being used in kind of really any army, because um, it's it's not enough piercing for the points you're paying. It's you know it's deadly accurate. I mean, it is. You're you're putting at least one hit just because of that yeah. hitting on four plus with the lead. You're reliably you're reliably doing at least one point of damage. Right. But. You know, it's just there's just something about it just not being enough to really make a static bolt thrower position to make it worth it. Now, I will say in terms of zone control, that's actually not bad because I've definitely uh, the couple times I've ran them, I've I've had uh, my opposing flyers go nope, and they just <laughs> they just nope on out of that zone of control because they don't want to get hit with the frozen. And have their speed reduced to, to nine uh, flying around. So in that respect, it gets its points back, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just... I think it's another one of those things that on its own could be viable, but in the context of the wider list, um, you, you lose out. You know, for 95 points, there's almost always a better use for those points, I think. Even, you know, you can pretty much always just take another troop of... Um, uh, snow foxes or something, right? Or tundra wolves or something like that. So it's just, yeah, yeah. It's a hard ask to 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 uh, to you know really ask for this bolt thrower to do all the things that it probably needs to do. But you know, yeah, you nailed it with a four up elite is probably the best benefit, and that's only if you really need the if you're trying to make a pure. You really want to double down on shooting, I could see it, but it seems like you're trying to shoehorn it at that point. What I wish my fix for ice, the bolt thrower, would be to give it a special rule that it meant that uh, it would give like a, a double frozen so that it's frozen and reduced their speed by two inches rather than the standard one because then all of a sudden it would be situationally would be a lot more viable. But just, just doing the frozen one, um, I mean, not that frozen more than one is a thing, but I, that, that's how I would fix it. Plus, I think that's a. It, I, I think it's a bit of a problem with bolt throwers in general. I think they're a bit too expensive for what they do. Um, I mean, my experience has been with them that I'm really good at rolling twos and threes. So, <laughs> so you, yeah, you don't get the rerolls anyway. 
Yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, just one isn't good enough. So for that zone control, you need a couple, and at that point, you're at 180 points or 190 points. Might as well for run a zero unit trolls, strength. You know, you know when, like, yeah. when, when you've got right. troop options that can shoot and for not much more and can, you know, hold an objective or something as well. Well, Rab, I mean, you got the, the Icekin uh, Hunters Regiment at 180 points, so 10 points cheaper. And obviously the range is less, but more reliably, I'm able to put that wound in. Yeah, and unit strength two or three. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let's take another break before we move on to the heroes. I'm Ricky Dove, uh, head of production at Mantic, and you're listening to Counter Charge. Welcome back, and now for our plethora of heroes that the Northern Alliance has available to them. Dustin, do you want to kick us off with the Lord? Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, the Lord's going to be speed 5, melee 3, defense 5. You know, 5 attacks with a 13-15 nerve coming in at 110 points. He's crushing 2, individual, mighty, very inspiring with wild charge 1. Now, he has a few options. Uh, the one option is he has an aura, wild charge plus 1, for infantry and heavy infantry for only 10 points. The other one is uh, the coveted Snow Fox. He's heavy infantry, so he's on a 25 mil. And that aura wild charge plus one is phenomenal in an army that has tons of wild charge. Do so you if find... you build a... yeah, oh, you going. You going. Uh, if you build an army around infantry, which you can with Huskarls, Nyads, uh, obviously dwarfs, that plus two puts you on the same realm as Soul Reaver Cav. Now your Huskarls could actually outreach them. You, if you run a wave of chaff in front of them, you plus two is pretty big. Uh, he's also only 110 points for Mighty. Uh, depends on how you use your characters. But 110 points for a Mighty character is not bad, considering he's crushing two and has 11-inch threat range without the aura, 12 with it. With the, Combined with that, that aura, you can take the Half-Elf Berserkers with the haste, a uh, your style with lots of troops to make yeah. it disgusting. Well, that, that gives them a threat range of up to 16, so they're, they're, they're pacing cavalry there. Yeah, and so and when you gave them the haste beforehand, you're at 16, 17, or 18-inch range. If you could get 18 inches of the Half-Elf Berserker Regiment, especially off of a hill, um, that combo, a lot of people don't see it coming. And Well, they might now, but other than that, it's a pretty good combo if you want to take it. There's other options, but it's just a, another tool in our I guess another arrow in our quiver. It's an attack that a lot of people won't have a defense for. So it's not that there's no way to defend against it. It's just that because it's not an issue that most people have to deal with, most people don't write a defense for it. And so, yeah. Have we got uh, and got any other comments on him? Would we take the snow fox on the Lord? Worth it? Uh, if you got a spare. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly worse options to put the Snow Fox on uh, in the list. But uh, I will say on a pure modeling that aspect, I absolutely love the model that Mantic has for the Lord. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Like, it is, that is exactly what I would imagine a grizzled Jarl, you know, having, you know, fought through numerous campaigns up north, who might actually not be that old. Because they just tend not to live that old in the north, and, uh, you know. Just and, and you say Yarl there, and that's what gets me is why didn't they call it a Yarl? Why do they call uh, it a Lord? And it's just like we've know. got Thanes, which is cool, and we've got right. Huskarls, and what they're just gone. Oh, but Lord, and it's just like no, it's a Yarl. 
And, and, could be anyway. worse. You could be just called hero. So yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> we can't all be lucky like the kingdoms of men and have a yeah, hero yeah, yeah, named that's... hero. But uh, um, but yeah, the, the, I love the mantic model, which is also it also can be the scald, which is another model we'll talk about later on. But it's just a super cool model, very characterful. I love it. So I definitely would take them because, like you said, the you know again 110 points for a mighty you know unit. It helps it helps more times than I thought it would, you know, because I've had people go to I, I charge them uh, or just stand in front of a unit. They go, is that unit mighty? They're like, yep. They're like, damn it. <laughs> I have to now chew through this, you know, defense five, 13 or was it 13, 15? Was it 11, 13, 13, 15, yeah. 13, 15 unit. Yeah, it's like I, I have to chew through this now. I just can't ignore it and charge through. So, you know, so I like them. He's pretty handy. Um, he does, as a pinch, he's, you know, the anti-flyer sort of thing. Um, like he doesn't, you know, he's not mounted, but he can have a a little bit of a, you know, a bubble of anti-flyer and he can reliably ground a flyer. Yeah, his wild charge aura can be, can really catch people out, especially, especially when you pair it with the half-elf berserkers and give them that, that effective threat range of, um, what, 17 inches or something silly. And so then, then it's just it just makes it for a real headache for people to engage. I think points wise for for ten points to that wild charge aura is bargain basement. You, I don't think you take the Lord without you taking the, the Horn of Winter. Like I, I feel I personally, I don't feel because if you're just wanting a combat individual, there are other options that you've got down the list. So I feel like if you're running the Lord, you're running the Horn of Winter. And you're building him around the core of your army to get that alpha strike thing going on. And if you have enough points to waste, you take him with Olaf, and that's just for for lol. And <laughs> that's uh, yeah, if you just want to do it. It's fun. All right, so let's move on to the Icekin Master Hunter, Felix. Do you want to run us through him? Yes. <clears throat> Uh, um, they're elves, so who, who the heck knows uh, in terms of gender? Um, so the uh, Icekin Master Hunter is just basically the hero version of the Icekin Hunter's uh, unit. Uh, speed 7, melee 3, ranged 3, defense 4+, plus. Uh, obviously a hero, so new unit strength, uh, 3 attacks, 11-13 nerve, 115 points. They have elite. Note, there is no parentheses on it, so it's just elite general. So it works for melee and ranged. Individual Pathfinders, Scout, Stealthy, Bows, 24-inch range, Piercing 1, and then also has the Ice-Tipped Arrow. So they also apply the um, Frozen Special Rule. So I don't know too many things in Kings of War that have ranged and melee 3 up with Elite. You know, you're paying the price for it. It's 115 points for something that can scout ahead 14 inches and have a, you know, again, a 31-inch threat range. Uh, But... uh, yeah, I've I've not ran too many of them, but I I'm almost imagining you know you can probably run two or three of them, probably just two because that gets two hundred thirty points is pretty expensive, but that could be a very annoying anti chaff anti war engine sort of deal. It, it's you like know. you you run it like you would any sort of um, lightning bolt sort of hero, right? Like because that's a that's a functionally right. what what the thing is is just a reliable one or two points of damage, right? In a large area. 
and use it to plink away. It's, I don't know, 115 points. Generally, I I usually run the troop of the Icekin Hunters instead right. of the Icekin Master Hunter because, yeah, the, the troops are a touch more expensive, but you're getting the unit strengths. So you're still getting the same, you know, plinking around, forcing nerve tests, doing this and that, and you're holding an objective. Whereas the Ice Skin Master Hunter only does one of those jobs. And because it's not mighty, can't block things up as reliably. Um, I mean, the Elite on the melee helps, so it can disorder things. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just – I've run yeah, it a the, few times, but not, not, never with great success. Yeah, the price point's a little hard to, you know, really – yeah, like I said, I'd run fifteen points. You've got a lot of options I, at that level. I would really love to run multiples, but like I said, one hundred fifteen points—that is a very expensive, you know, range of units to have to That's choose from. Like you could run pack hunters for that, um, right? Extra, you know, you can run dwarf clansmen. You can, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot, a lot of things you can do. Yeah. The only thing I could see this being is like, you know, obviously, you scout ahead, and you can scout uh, depending on certain people how they don't protect war machines. And go around and harass. That's all you could do is to harass either characters or war machines at that point. And uh, right. that's because player do that um, with wood uh, with Silkin with the three because he vanguarded up. He was able to when he played me. Luckily, I saw this coming, but he was able to play other people who didn't think of that, and they would deploy on the line with their shooting unit, and he would just charge into them, blocking them. And then this tree herder and wolf father came in, and it was over. Right. So he because able to nut check them, you know, right off the bat. Is it, mm. But that's such a situational tool to use because, like you said, you're wasting 230 points to do that to two units. Yeah, you yeah know, for no for them. no unit strength. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So do you do you, you if you you really have to know how to use that unit? And at that point, I'm like, is it worth it? Because we have our it's at our holy number of 115 points. So that cost for honor, you take the tundrables, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just yeah. so many other options to do better what you're trying to do. Exactly. Okay, uh, so next is the Thane. Tads, do you want to run us through that? I do. So we'll take the Thane on foot first. So he's a heavy infantry hero, so on the 25mm base. Uh, speed 5, melee 3, defense 5. Um, crushing 1 in an individual with wild charge 1. Um, 3 attacks, 11, 13 nerve. And 50 points. So he is like your standard, not mighty, not inspiring sort of combat hero dude. Um, but he has two options critically. Uh, Talonar Standard, um, which is a unique upgrade, gives him Rally 1 for 15 points and the Snow Fox for 10 points. Um, look, I always take this guy with the Rally Standard and the Inspiring Talisman and park him off near my Snow Trolls. He's... He's great. You know, the, the rally, you know, because I think after second edition, they really realized how how useful rally was as a rule. So, yeah, no, he's he's great in that instance. The lack of mighty is annoying, but with three attacks hitting on threes and crushing one, he he generally is still able to, to be mighty. But I wish he had the mighty special rule. I also like him with loot. It depends on how much inspiring you have. But he works with husk girls, snow trolls. Uh, cavern dwellers well you name it he works well with it um i agree yeah. it has everyone benefits with rally in this list yeah. right and I, i'm a guy who abused banner of the griffin it was in every list <laughs> I mean, oh I yeah like I'm i was about to say who didn't i mean <laughs> like i think that was like yeah. Would, yeah like how do i add rallying banner into my you know unient by the end of second edition that. Yeah, and 
and this guy is great. Depending on no, whatever army style you go with, probably one benefit. Mm. And so do you, Dustin, want to take us through the Thane on Frostbane equivalent? Thane on Frostbane is speed 7, melee 3, defense 5, unit strength 1, 5 attacks, 13, 15 nerve. It's 125 points at height 4. It's crushing 2, inspiring Frostbang only, nimble, strider, wild charge 1. Now you can upgrade it for 10 points to have a snowball. I actually like this unit, but I like it more of a medium chaff, like a thick boy chaff. As in, okay, so against other people's chaff, they're not going to do anything to you. You're going to outkill it if you're going against snow foxes, stuff like that. You're still nimble, so they can't ignore you. You still have unit strength. You can easily put this as a dead drop. You know, 125, you're still slightly lower than a regiment. But if someone sl- slips up and lets you have a flank, well, heck, you're still hitting 10 attacks, 12 if you bought the upgrade. Um, he's good for his own control. He self-inspires himself. Um, obviously, he's not as good as his big brother, which we'll talk about soon. But uh, it's like, a can you not afford the Lord on Frostbang? If you can't afford the Lord, he's a good budget. You know, hey, I can get in the way. Hey, look at this dragon. It, you know, it flew over your line, but it had to pivot once. Now it gave me a rear. Okay, it's over. So yeah. that's how I view it. He's like a Toyota Corolla. Like, he's cheap, but he's pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, no, there's nothing, nothing to sneeze at. He's good value. I, yeah. I I used to run him off supporting my Frost Fangs sort of on a, on a flank or one side of the board. But, yeah, just, just like just like you said, he's, um, he's handy. You can't ignore him. He's pretty cheap. And that nimble and threat range of 15 inches – putting in sort of deploy them anywhere apart from the extreme flanks of the board mean that that's a big bubble of just a pain in the ass to deal with. Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard this too many times, but if you think about it, stat wise, he's only a slightly slower, more defensive version of the dread fiend at 10 points cheaper. So, I mean, everyone loves the dread fiend basically. Um, same yeah. Attacks, you know, you can do the same yeah, you know, I've I, I've run the Thane a bunch of times, and he's I don't know, he's he's handy. Like, there's is it's just great, and he's a great hero slot. Um, I would almost always run the Thane over the Lord. Um, you know, it's a a few points more, and not an individual, but I don't know. They um they're just re- they're just really handy. I love the Frost Fang heroes. They are so great. All right, oh, they're uh, they're yeah. super. I used to abuse knuckers. Uh, they won me a couple of tournaments, and that's what this guy reminds me of. He reminds me of a yeah, not yeah. so good number. Yeah, and not, like, not, not so fast, but uh, a bit more survivable. Right, a little grindy version of the nugget. That's how I see it. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And Felix, do you want to run us through the ice, ice queen? Sure. Yeah, um, like they say, let it go. So the ice queen, uh, she is our kind of our one like primo spellcaster in the list uh she's spellcaster level two uh she's got speed six because she's an elf that's one of her keywords so you know for reasons uh, melee five defense four up uh she's got one attack 10 12 nerve so fairly standard you know caster you know attack and nerve profile 80 points uh her special rules are ensnare individual varying spiring frostbound only um, the ensnare, I'm pretty certain, was a model-inspired choice because if you look at the Mantic yeah. model, she's got like a a thing of ice shooting out from 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 her feet, essentially. So I'm I assuming think that's she's where supposed that came to be from. like a naiad elfy sort of 
um, crossover. Because she's, be, yeah. she's got the elf and the frostbound keywords, which most right. elves don't have. Like most elves in this list don't have frostbound. Um, right. Just her. But yeah. Yeah. So uh, her rule is, or one of the special rules is called Master of Ice. Um, basically, its effect depends on what she's targeting. If she's targeting a friendly core frostbound unit, she gets to re-roll a dice that failed to either Banechant, Heal, or Surge. Um, so she can re-roll. She's basically, got a free, she's got a free uh, Conjurer Staff when targeting Frostbound friendly units. If their enemy units are hit with the Frozen Rule, which we were talking about with synergies with like the Icekin and stuff like that earlier on, uh, they, she can re-roll a die when using Icy Breath, Wind Blast, or Blizzard. So I've I use the former way more than I use the latter. I think I've only used the latter like once or twice in a game where I actually hit something yeah. with a with a with a bolt thrower. It's just like, oh wait, it's frozen. Here's an icy breath. I get to re-roll a die. Yeah. Um so that's her master of ice rule. She comes stock with icy breath ten. Um she does have an option that she can replace it for free. Replace surge. Yeah, replace it with surge. My bad. Uh, for free, because replacing the spell in general, she can get Bane Chant 2 for 20 points, heal 5 for 35 points, pick up just Surge 8 on top of it for 30 points, unless she does the, the, the aforementioned replacement thing. She can get Wind Blast 6 for 25 points, or Blizzard 2, which is a um, legendary spell for, for 30 points. And so she's also Elf and Frostbound. So, yeah, like I said, she's our one core you know, caster we've got. Um, and she's pretty good. I never leave home without at least one generally. So, yeah, I have three painted up. Uh, so I could say that I'm a huge fan of this unit on top of now. Remember how we mentioned the woman engine's kind of useless unless you have a role. You could totally take blizzard with her. If you were really wanting to invest in a gimmick. And just constantly through that one yeah. hunt. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 I felt when it worked, I felt really douchey because I also took Pondry Staff. So I always hot two hit with Pierce, uh, Blizzard, and it was kind of frustrating. So I didn't take that any longer. But the same thing can be said with, uh, for instance, if you take the Icekin Hunter and you freeze someone with your Ice Tip Arrows, then you could Wind Blast them with one reroll. That's pretty big. It's, it's guaranteeing you get at least three inches away. So if you're a flyer, you know, going 21 inches. Now the flyer can't because it's movement nine. Um, it's pretty nice to have that ability if you can. But let's face it. When you take this lady, you're taking heal and surge. That's what you take it for. Yeah, like, that's right. Like, that's unfortunately. I've tried to run her as an offensive battery with Blizzard. And then, yeah, the Master Hunters applying Frozen with their bows from 24 inches away. And it's just, you know, it works reliably because she gets, you know, it's Blizzard 2. And each one does blast D3 or whatever. Um, and so she gets two shots and gets to re-roll one miss. So she almost always gets at least one hit. But then it's just like, and it blows up and you do two points of damage. And this is like, ooh. Yeah. You know, ooh. You know, yeah. And so between your troop of master hunters or your, your troop of ice king hunters and your ice queen, you've got however many hundred points and you've done like four points of damage. And it's just like... Okay, it was fun and exciting, and it can be more than that, but so much it's it's not. And so, so yeah, you're just taking heal on one, surge on the, or you know, surge on both, but 
heal on one and then you're getting the surge item on one and the extra heal item on the other and they sit behind your ice elementals or your naiads and your rim or whatever and they're just healing away and just being a real force multiplier for your core units so we had a viewer question here from mike vergamini if that's how you say his name i still don't know what to do about ice queens they seem awfully expensive awfully expensive for surge duty or bane chant Aren't I better off with a scold and a magic item? And so to me, it sounds like you guys are saying you're not really taking Bane Chan. It's, it's Surge and Heal is what you're using it for. Yeah. If you're taking Bane you're different anyways. So if you're taking her Bane Chan, we, don't, we no longer have the Fire Element Amulet, you know, when it would be useful. Uh, I don't tend to – we have enough crush in this army, you know. You have enough Thunder crush. You shouldn't – Bane Chan, if you're going to take it, you're going to take it either on the Thane or you're going to take it on a scold. That's about – those are your two yeah. Bane Chanters. And um, your, your target for Bane Chant is pretty much going to be your Ice Nyads. <sighs> That's about, I mean, everything else has got, like, crushing two. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like... You're fighting it's kind of pointless. Like, you even have crushing four. You're one of the few armies that have crushing four in the army. You have about two different options, you know? Right. Yeah, you, have, you have probably some of the most crushing two out of any option available. You have lots of crushing three. Even Ice Nyads, we agreed that Hammer Measured Force is your best bet for them. Yeah. So it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. if you fluff this around Huskarls, I guess. I mean, and then it's like only if you go against defense six do you need it. Yeah, I, I've I've rarely had a game where I was just like, you know what? If I had that loot, you know, I yeah. might have been able to get through that unit. I mean, rarely. Um, even against defense six, you know, you just apply enough attacks at crush two to something to the problem. It's generally going to go away. So, um, you know, so yeah, I definitely, I would definitely say I would, I prioritize them over a support caster for heal and surge over their ability to main chant. All right. Well, next we have Mr. Thick himself, the the Lord, or maybe we should just go for the Yarl on Frostfang. <laughs> what do you think of this guy, Taz? Ha. So this guy um, would be one of the very best units in the entire game. Mm. I don't think that's an overstatement. Point for point, he yeah. is just about the best Absolute in the game, best I reckon. tier unit. Um, mm. Lord on Frostfang, uh, speed 7, melee 3, defense 5, unit strength 1 on a 50 mil base. He's got 8 attacks, 15, 17 nerve, and 190 points. Crushing three, Nimble Strider, very inspiring and wild charge one. And he has the ability for a Snow Fox for plus 10 points, which you always want to take. So for, for like 200 points and nine attacks, he's like a budget dragon with the only downside is a dragon normally is obviously speed 10, whereas this guy's speed seven. So not as fast as a dragon, but 100 points cheaper. If there was a better, better, better or more descriptive word than bargain that would be it because 100 points cheaper he's way because strider actually makes him more reliable than a dragon yeah yeah uh, i i cannot say like i mean, i don't think anyone you know you could run three lords on a frost fang and people would be annoyed at you but they would get it right they'd be like yeah i mean i get it <laughs> that's that's the kiss your sports trophy away you know, list. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm here to win sports. It's a good thing I'm a TO here, and so they have to give me all their sports points or else we'll ban them. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I, I ran 100 games with Crossfang Wars. 100 games, and they have always overperformed. Uh, I've ran all, most of the time I run them naked. At Dojo GT, I ran one naked. No Snowfox upgrade. And I ran them with Snowfox upgrades at Alamo. I ran two. 
And um, I could admit, they have always, even naked, they're great. Um, if you give them haste, you run, if you really want to just have more options, the items I liked with them was haste. I took ended up taking haste, meat of madness, and I take brutal. Uh, those are the ones I like. And uh, yeah, I like, I like the, brutal. I like blade of slashing. I like brutal, and I like the one that uh, removes the waiver value by one, so it goes to a nerve of sixteen, seventeen. Um, yeah, flanks the whole game. Oh, I've had him stone. literally. Just, yeah, yeah, you're just hitting flanks with him. If if you had to front someone with two of them, you're already killing it. You're hitting like a cav regiment, but better. Um, but if you get flanks with it, it's over. Um, yeah. I played top, uh, some of America's best players. Uh, played Adam with it. I played Tom with it. And Tom was like, that's horrible. I said, yeah, here's a flank in your Soul Reavers. Ran him and yeah. our Samurai. That's over. I go, yep. It's, I'm, uh, I'm very interested to see what Tom Robinson's going to do with them because he's starting to play Northern Alliance. So, yeah, they're, no, they're just fantastic. And with Nimble, there's so many shenanigans you can do on the square base. Not shenanigans. in the You know, it's just lots of little Nimble charges and hitting flanks with a height four. They can see over most stuff. They're like the old dragons. They're like the old beginning of second edition dragons that were just impossible to stop getting all over the place. Um, but now, you know, because they don't have fly, they can't be grounded. Um, but because they've got strider, they can just charge over stuff. They just ping pong around. Um, I don't know. There's, if you're not built, you know, if you're not including them in a list, at least one in every list, you're doing it for like real fluffy thematic reasons, I think. Right. Yeah. They, uh, I, and I think it's the strider that really makes them that real good. Um, I was, I had played a game, this is back right before the lockdowns in America, but I was playing against Joe Cottrell, which I'd give a shout out to him, but I doubt he listens to the show anyway. But uh, I was playing against his dwarves, and I had my lord fighting against a ice elemental, or sorry, an earth elemental horde, and he was using his Golic to like shoot at my ice blade, which we'll talk about later, who was running around the back end. He killed her, but being shooting, he couldn't reform, and so I was like, you see that? That's a rear charge. And so I took a rear charge on Golic with my lord on Frostfang, and <laughs> gone. And yeah, just one shot at Golic with the lord on Frostfang. It was it was glorious, because that's that crush three, which is just like, you know, 27 attacks, threes, and threes. Like, Golic is not going to stand up to that, you know. That's one of my favorite things to do, is like to hit a caster or whatever in the back line, and turn around. And then just have rears on a whole bunch of stuff. Like, it's just so powerful. And it's just so points efficient. For 200-odd points, you're getting something that, you know, is comparable to a unit that's 300-plus points. That's so great. Yeah. Like, but don't so definitely take at least That's a jerk move. But <laughs> I, I honestly tried to make that work, but I, I just it was just, you know, for 600 points for just about three unit strength. I yeah, was just I, not good enough to really kind of <laughs> it's the sort of thing that might work for Varanga who have access to like the Adraga and your really cheap things I think a lot of like one one list that I wrote up but never ran was a whole bunch of uh, dwarf clansmen regiments and then lords on Frostfangs and thanes on Frostfangs um, just as you know you really cheap sort of objective holders and then you really punchy nimble heroes but then I just right. thought who is this for like like, what, why like, am I doing this? You're like, why can I just do this better with the Varanger? Yeah, you know. Well, and also, or at least cheaper. Like, you know, cheaper I'm, with Varanger. I'm not going to enjoy winning with this, and no one's going to enjoy playing it. So, yeah. So then we're going to move on to the only flyer and the the Yarl on Frostfang's big brother, the Yarl on Chimera. 
Justin, how does how's this guy go? Okay, well, he's speed 10, melee 3 plus, defense 5. He's going to be a height 6. He's going to have 10 attacks, 17, 19 nerve, 320 points. He's crushing 3, elite, melee only, fly, nimble, very inspiring, and icy breath 10. Uh, I don't take flyers. I might be in the minority here, but I never take flyers almost. Uh, especially being 320 points, uh, I would... It's pretty expensive for my blood when you can take, you know, Lords on Frost Fangs for so cheap. Uh, that's a problem is he could peak. Now, he's still viable if you like a good flyer. You could at least put him on, you could swing an entire flank with him. You could easily put haste on him as well to outrange other people's flyers. He's your standard beefy flyer, which uh, you know, every uh, a lot of the armies have them. If you know how to fight flyers, you know how to deal with them. And. I've always, I've never had problems killing flyers. So to me, I'd rather have a giant or uh, sorry, rim uh, for a fearless twenty. But if you like flyers and you like, if you play against newer players, you're going to struggle against him. Right. Yeah, newer players struggle against flyer defense. Um, the to beat flyers now for strike, you have to learn how to grind. Um, so as a grinder, to me, it's like yeah, it's okay. But right. uh, I, I think this is like what Taz was saying earlier. It's kind of like a win more unit, like against, you know, players that aren't necessarily used to dealing with flyers and stuff like that. This is absolutely going to cause them to pull their hair out of the table, trying to figure out how to not lose a unit every single time uh, that they don't want to lose to the, to this, you know, dragon, but, you know, against your, you know, fairly top at, end players, uh, they're going to know how to deal with this thing. And a way to ignore yeah. or mitigate or make sure it only kills maybe 250 points the entire game because you know yeah it's yeah it's it's difficult to win its points back but um i will probably be running it at clash of kings australia because it is a sick model mantis yes. really did a great <laughs> job with it it is so good <laughs> Yeah, which is interesting because from a business point of view, then you might be looking at some tweaking to this list, right? Because you need a pretty significant reason outside of just liking the model to take the Chimera over other stuff at the moment. Right. Uh, so what it can do and what I find is uh, I, like I run the Lord on a Chimera with the Meat of Madness so that it gives it that jump against other flyers and it, free, it means that I, I don't have to have any other dedicated anti-flyer sort of stuff really to it. So I like it and it, you know, it hits hard. Um, I mean, it is, it is expensive, but for me, that means less stuff to paint for the end of January. <laughs> so it's that's that's not a bad yeah. thing for me in this case. But it's like it's just such a cool model, and yeah, I know, I know, it, it hits hard. Um, but yeah, you're definitely right in terms of optimizing the uh, optimizing points. The Lord on a Frost Fang does pretty much just as much damage for 100, 120 points less. And, yes, the 1719 nerve compared to, yeah, compared to Frim, compared to the Cavern Dweller, uh, it's it's just a little bit too situational to be justifying the, the cost, but it is such a sick model. And if you're not looking to go to Masters with it, if you're just taking it to a regular tournament, it can be a lot of fun. I think yeah. it's fair to say that he's good choice, just not an optimal choice. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah I, solid choice. I think. I yeah, think cool. the, the, when it comes to the Lord on Chimera, it's like I said. You're not, like you're saying. I don't think you're going to get your points back on paper. Like he killed X amount of points yeah. throughout the game, but just I think 
a lot of times just that, especially if you that get that threat. meat of madness on there, that, that threat denial, like, yeah. all right, you got a flyer. Cool. If you Come stack here, up I'm one flank you. and then put him on the other, and then he goes up and he does the, you know, go 10 inches and then turn in 90 degrees. It's like, it's a pain in the ass to deal with. But like you said, I don't think he's ever going to like, Hey, I paid 320 points for this thing. He killed 350 points. I, I don't think you're really going to get that. I think his effect is going to be not measured in terms of attrition. Oh, so, no, I yeah, agree with agree. that completely. Most flyers that same way. As in, like, usually you don't kill your points back, but you make your opponent time out. Make That's also how you make your opponent make mistakes. That's the uh, same thing with Surge. If you're, you're on right. a clock, your opponent's going to shoot through that clock worrying about that flyer or those sampling units. Yeah. Yep, and, and he can depending on the map, you know, depending on how you run it. But uh, your lord may be able to see over forests when he's on a hill, which can be something that mm-hmm. your opponents won't see coming. So there can be a few things that you can catch people out with. But I don't know; it is just such a sick model. Um, it really I is. I, I'm yeah. I'm staring at my like half painted one right now. I'm like, ah, I need to finish painting this one. <laughs> um, okay, so next we have the half elf character, the ice blade. Felix, what can you tell us about this? I love me some ice blade. That's what I can tell you about it. I, I really do. Like it's 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 your I mean, your typical, but it is a stand standardish assassin type character. Like that is what this thing does, and it does it pretty well. Um, uh, she's speed six, standard elf, uh, melee three plus, defense four up, no ranged. Uh, gets six attacks. She's dash fourteen nerve and one hundred and five points. For the rules, she's got Crushing 1, Duelist, Inspiring, Half-Elf Only, Individual, Wild Charge D3, and can pick up the Snow Fox for plus 10 points. So again, for 115 points, um, this thing... should have had a drinking game every time we found a viable option at 115 points. Well, they can just listen to this again, because you know they're going to listen to it again (laughs) and do the drinking game at that point. Um... But, I mean, this thing can absolutely just rip through stuff. I mean, when you come in at 14 points on a, uh, on a, on a caster or other you know, individual, like, chances are she can kind of win most you know, hero-on-hero fights if she can get the charge in. Especially being dash 14, like, you can't waver her, so she's either there yeah. or gone. Yeah. Um, and even though she's not mighty, with six attacks hitting on threes of crushing one, she's going to get that wound in on something. Effectively mighty, like, yeah. Yeah, unless she's hitting like uh, obsidian golems, and then it's like a maybe, you know, she's gonna disorder that thing, so she can hold them up. And a trick I like to do is I like to put the wings of honey maze on her, which lowers her defense down even more. But then she's twenty plus D three charge range. Yeah, yeah, and just can get absolutely anywhere. And if my opponent doesn't have any heroes, cool. I have a war engine. Sweet. Uh, she's yet to not one shot a war engine. Like. Which that's a, a lot of the dwarf players even to have their war engine are like cool you can hit my war engine but you're probably gonna waver it wah but you still got to take another turn to kill it um, like she just tears through war engines so you can just move on to the next one I had a game at best of the rest she tore through three dwarf cannons a sharpshooter troop and I think she wavered a like a like a guy with the uh, Ludus insatiable darkness in one game and then she tanked like four dog throwing shots at it I mean she was just all over the place just. And even if they've got no individuals or war engines, you just fly in and just start hitting units in the back. You're not getting tripled, but they, they have to turn around to attack her and they may not kill her. So it's a risky move. And so she's just, you know, getting people for, 
you know, six or whatever wounds up the date every time, and it sucks. Right. I, might be the only character I think is 100% mandatory to take a snowfall. I, I can't even fathom not taking a snowfall with her. I, I think I did yeah. once because I accidentally clicked the wrong thing on Easy Army, <laughs> and I, I think I put it on the Thane versus the <laughs> versus the Ice Blade, <laughs> and I, I was sad. I was like, what, what is it? Yeah. It just looks it's so good while making up lists. I'm I'm looking forward to getting the Mantic Ice Blade model at some point and then putting wings on it, like modeling up wings because the Valkyrie sort of looking thing. I think it's cool. Like I don't run it in every list, but I've definitely run it a dozen times or so. Sometimes with wings, sometimes without, but always fun. You're always yeah, that's, it's a fun unit. And that model is really cool. I, I liked painting her up as well. Um, just a very like, like the very aggressive pose as she's like jumping off of a, a piece of rock. Like she's like, "You, you're dying this turn." Kind of look on her face. So it was really nice to paint her up. So it's a good model. And it's a good it's a good answer to a lot of lists that are you know surge heavy lists and things like that. A really good answer to to undead and things. I've definitely influenced some surge. You know, heavy armies. Their their casters are just like <laughs> run away. Like they're like, how far can I get away and still cast my spells and not be within threat range of the of the ice blade? And she's just like, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. So it's really fun to watch. <laughs> that again, uh, when we talk about forcing your opponent to spend mental energy and time on stuff, like that is another thing that they have to think about when they're thinking about their surges and all that stuff. Is how do I keep my surge caster out of threat range of this raving? berserker maniac hmm. all right taz now we're up to the leader of the trolls the snow troll prime snow troll the snow troll prime um great model um i've got it painted up and stuff and it looks looks really cool pretty much the same profile as regular trolls so speed six melee three so not melee four defense five though um one unit strength five attacks 13, 16 nerve, 120 points. It's got crushing two. It inspires trolls and it has nimble and regen five. Uh, vicious melee, wild charge one. Uh, so the issue there is it's the same price, same price point as the Thane on a Frostfang. Um, and so they're both sort of nimble 50 mil heroes. The Snow Troll Prime is more survivable uh, with regen and extra nerve, but less damage output with... Um, no, no, uh, no strider, but it does have vicious, which is really handy. So I don't know. It's, it's pretty good, but, um, I haven't run it that much. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I run it with my snow trolls, but I almost always want to run the Thane with the Talonar standard with the rally item with my snow trolls. So I kind of don't have that much of a use for him. I really wish I could put the rally item on this guy in which case, yeah, I'd run him all the time, but no, he's, he, he's pretty cool. He's not a bad choice, not a terrible choice. Um, I just don't run him that often because for, for 120 points, I'm often running the Thane on a Frost Fang instead. Yeah. I, I think this would be kind of one of those things, again, if you're wanting to run a theme list, you know, of just snow trolls yeah. and stuff like yeah, that, yeah, you yeah. have that snow troll leader to kind of lead the snow trolls into combat, which or isn't a bad choice. Sure. And if you want to run the model, because it's a cool model, um, something like that. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. But again, like I said, you're, you're, you're five points cheaper than a, a Thane, which is like, okay, I'd, I'd rather just take the Thane, you know. Yeah. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here. Though, as a guy who just loves 50 mils, I guess, I can see the potential of this guy just region five with an annoying speed bump. Kind of like, if y'all if y'all ever played Butcher Flesh Reapers, that's what this guy reminds me of. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a bigger base, but 
he's annoying enough, like I said before, like a thick chap. Um, yeah. You yeah. Run, run something, uh, let's say you're playing me, and you run something a little harder than a snow fox's, let's say like a goblin sniffs. Okay, well, I go in there. Let's say I don't kill you. You're still stuck with me. You can't do anything, so you need to bring something else in. Because he'll kill that, run forward. Now, whatever unit they bring in, they'll have to overkill it. So, obviously, Soul Reavers will kill uh, kill at one go, but most cab units, probably not. Like, a cab unit, on average, will only do, what, eight wounds to him? So, he's yeah. eight twice? He's a nice mobile tar pit. He can... Yeah, no, so I, I, I like him. I just... Because the, the nature of the... Um, the Northern Alliance list is I'm usually just spending the extra 60-odd points and running the um, Lord on a Frostfang. Um, I mean, I know that's that's a lot of points, but usually that's what I'm doing. Yeah, the problem is they keep, we have so many good options in this list. Yeah, it's, it's, a, real, it's a mongrel yeah. of a problem. Sort it out, Mantic. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn right. Uh, and so for the last of the standard heroes, we've got the Skald. Dustin, do you want to tell us about the Skald? All right. Use your heavy infantry, speed five, melee five, range four up, and defense four up. Uh, he's going to have two attacks, the 10-12 nerve coming at 55 points. He's an individual. He inspires, and he has one throwing attack at 12 inches, piercing one. He's our standard, standard bearer guy, our flag waver. Though he has a ranged attack, which makes him unique. Um, the only way I've ever used him was as a loot caddy, uh, just to sit there and, you know, Bane chant. And I, I rarely used it, um, but I can see his usefulness in lists that need Bane chant. Yeah, the model is cool. The Schold model is cool, but um, I mean, we're going to talk about the, the, the unique, the Living Legend variant of it later on. I just. Never found a particular use for it. There's a lot of inspiring in this list. You know, your Lords on Frostfang, your Ice Queens, your, 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 a lot of good units that you're taking already have inspiring. So you don't necessarily need the cheap inspiring. And I mean, for 55 points, I don't know, I'm pretty much always taking the Thane with the Rally Banner instead of the Schgold. Agreed. Yeah, the only other option I could think of, you probably did the thing for cheaper. It would just be to, if you wanted to give him the surge item or the, the you know, the shroud of the saint for some reason, you know. Yeah. But yeah. again, there's other more uh, efficient. I guess if you couldn't afford another ice queen, uh, you know, maybe. But yeah, that's yeah, that, there that, are better. At that, at that time, you're fighting on a snow fox turf. <laughs> Why not take another snow fox? They screw it. Right, so yeah, it's 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 not that it's a bad choice, and I I wish there was a better use for him, but you know I, I think that's we start running into he's probably better in the Varnger list, you know. He's going to take up a great spot on my display board, and that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to look very nice on my little diorama, um, but probably not see a lot of time on the actual game. Yeah, I had that one tournament. I had a Lord not appearing in his film because I for some reason had my Lord model with me on my display board for yeah, yeah, yeah. list until like I was deploying for first game. I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> this guy's not on this list. Never mind, He stays here. Well, I did that with my Trident realms. I ran the crack. I had the Kraken on my display board, but not in my list because the, you know, it's such a cool looking model. Um, but yeah. 
Okay, well, that finishes up the standard hero section. Now we just have two out of the three unique units left because we've already discussed Hrim. Uh, so first up... We've got, uh, we've got an extra unique. We've got oh, Serakina. Yeah, we, haven't, we haven't talked about Serakina, but we'll get to it. Oh, as in from Helpy's Rift? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay, and cool. I'm, yep. And I've ran her a lot, so I, I know a lot yeah. about her. Okay, well, we'll give her to you. Lucky you guys are here, you know, run the show. <laughs> um, so firstly, Olaf the Barbarian. What's uh, Tell us about him, Felix. Uh, well, he is a character from the, I believe he's from Dungeon Saga. Um, so he's a character from that game that was ported into uh, Kings of War. So I uh, believe he's unique to the Northern Alliance. I don't think he's available in the other uh of the good uh, army lists but anyways as the name says he's he's a barbarian uh so he's a unique character uh, amongst the, the for the army so only one of him uh he's speed 5 melee 3 plus defense 4 plus uh, he's got six attacks he's dash 16 and he's 135 points he's crushed 2 he's individual mighty vicious melee and wild charge d3 and his special unique rule is unstoppable whirlwind once per game declare you are using this ability just before orloff attacks in melee for the rest of this melee phase orloff has 12 attacks instead of six so 135 points orloff barbarian zoom he's a fun character he's i don't know he's fun um can be an answer to issues uh i haven't seen him run that much or run him that much myself but the dash 16 nerve can be a problem to overcome and his ability to once per game, just delete something is, is, is fun. Yeah. I, I've I, never ran him. So I, I couldn't tell you like if he's good or not, or Geldy run him, runs him locally. Um, mm-hmm. Matt. And yeah, I, I ran him with the Lord with the, obviously the little, a horde of winter. And, uh, I used more of an anti chaff, anti flyer role. Because I was, but he was able to one hit punch off Ratkin unit by himself, and the Rat player I was playing was like, oh, he had to deal with him as opposed to shooting my Uzcarl with his uh, weapon teams, which to me that was fine. Give me another turn to chew through his horde because I snuck in through a regiment, and if he didn't deal with him, I was able to like, get behind him. So if he ties up anything, he takes the eyes away from half elf berserkers or Uzcarls. In an infantry list, I'd take him just for like a tool. He seems fun to play with. He's a legit choice, like because most of these little dungeon saga units are are fun, but not particularly optimal. But he's he's a legit choice. Um, you can yeah. definitely make him work. All right, so we'll move on to Clarion, uh, the unique unit Clarion. So Dustin, do you? Well, actually, Taz, do you want to take us through? Clarion. Yeah, sure. I'll talk about Clarion. So he, the model came with, you got the 10th anniversary Mantic sort of little diorama thing. So it's a dude riding a goat. Um, it's a great model. It's an awesome model. I love it. Speed 8, melee 4, ranged 4, defense 4. He's an up, he, he's a scold on a goat, basically. You know, he's got three attacks, 11, 13 nerve, 95 points. Um, he has dread, individual, very inspiring, and a throwing axe, which is 12-inch piercing one, steady aim. He's just a real sort of Swiss Army knife dude. He can get around throwing his dread and inspiring bubbles around the place. He can chuck his axes, forcing some nerve tests, and he's a sick model. So, again, he'll definitely be on my display board. Uh, Will he make – I've run him a few times, usually. 
um, using my character slot on like Ice Blade or something like that, I think is a little bit more direct use. But, uh, you know, and it's fun and the Dread can really cause problems for people. And the throwing axes are, are, are a useful issue as well. It's just It's just annoying that he's the only mounted individual that the Northern Alliance have. <laughs> and so yes. when you want someone to really ground flyers, then he's just got the three attacks hitting on fours with no crushing. So he's a real dicey chance to yep. ground flyers, um, but he's your only option for the, the, the typical, I'll just take a mounted combat individual and there's an 18-inch sort of, you know, or nine, whatever, a 16-inch bubble that um, flyers can't land in without getting grounded. So, yeah, I don't know. He's pretty cool. Mostly a cool model, though. Right. Cool yeah, model. that was my question. Like, did the Varanger just steal all the horses up north? Like, where did they all go? Like, why is Clarion only able to ride a, ride a ram as available for a mount, you know, mounted option? So, eh, whatever. I think the, yeah, frost I mean, I, fang, the Frost Fangs had all the horses, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, I get why they don't have them for maybe like game balance site like, because otherwise i would just for be sure for sure on... we, then we could have everything like so this is yeah this I'll, is I'll, a serious I'll just be taking things on horseback yeah. <laughs> you know just yeah. things on horseback running all over the place they're just ordering things and taking down flyers and hitting war engines you know uh just be right little assholes flying over the battlefields i mean i get that they don't but it's just annoying like i i, I want to put a thing on a on a horse to have them do coming coming to northern alliance from orcs was in some ways the play style was very similar, but in other ways with the orcs, I was just missing out on, you know, my crudges and my gakamak or whatever on on horse or on boars, gores, whatever. Um, and then it's just like, oh, I can't do that anymore. Oh, right, lame. So we had a new character introduced in the Halpy's Rift expansion book, uh, Serakina. Do you want to take us through her, Dustin? Oh yes. Uh, she's speed six, melee five, defense four. She's going to have one attack, 1113 nerve, and 130 points. She comes with ensnare, individual, very inspiring, frostbound only, and radiance of light, frostbound only. She has frozen winds, which if one or more hits are scored from a wind blast, the target enemy is given frozen special rule for the duration of its next turn. She comes with surge eight and wind blast six. And the FAQ they recently came out with gave her master vice. So before she didn't have it, but now she rightfully has it. For 15 points more than a normal Ice Queen with Heal and Surge, you get one nerf, so she has one nerf, Radiance of Life. You lose your heal, but it depends on how many Frostbound units you take. Which, Luckily, the Queen's usually better, but if you're taking, let's say, four Ice or Frim and three Ice, she works very well with pushing things out of charge range. And been allowing you to pick your target, pick your combat very well. So let's say you fail to kill it with your icy breath, your uh, half elf shooting, any of that. You can literally just push it out and freeze it at the same time. So she is very good toolbox to have. The problem is she competes with her ice. Yeah, mm. it's a, it's a nice problem to have, um, and it's one of my favorite things about Northern uh, Alliance is list building there's genuinely a bunch of different ways to run it there's not like the one obvious sort of optimal build um and so yeah i thought she was balanced well so you know you would definitely take it but she's not a must include and you know you want to yeah if we had more options because 
Frostbound at the moment is just your Ice Naiads, Ice Elementals, and Frost Giants and Hrim. They're your only Frostbound units. And so, yeah, if you're wanting that Radiance of Life to really stack up, you know, you're parking her near, you know, two, two hordes of Ice Elementals, which are already an annoying unit. Yeah. Or she's just yeah, making she- Hrim just that super unshiftable. Right. Yeah. Uh, my, my thing is that it further, like, shoehorns you into the Frostbound builds. I, I was personally hoping for maybe a different type of yeah. character out of Helpy's Rift, but being the magic supplement, it would almost have to be an Ice Queen, you know, because that's what the Helpy's Rift is about. That campaign is about magic, so it almost yeah, have to yeah, be an yeah. Ice Queen, but I was hoping for maybe like a dwarf special character, or, you know, something different, but, you know, she's good. As like I said, it further puts you down the Frostbound rabbit hole. I just I just wish that Frostbound was a little, because what I love about this army is diversity of lots and lots of things, right? But when you go down the Frostbound route, then you're spamming one unit, you know, multiple times, which I don't like right. for aesthetic reasons, let alone, you know, if people come and you're running just a whole bunch of the same unit and they're like, oh, this sucks, um, right. you know, lacks imagination. But, but, but yeah, so it's just it's just one of those things. But you can because, I mean, the Radiance of Life bubble is only six inches, so she's only going to be casting it over, you know, a small sort of area of the field. So you've still got half your list to, to run, you know, Frostfangs or whatever else you want to run. But, yeah, so, no, she's pretty cool but not a must-have, which I think is a good good place to be. I agree. Although I will say there's been times in, in before she came out as a character, there's been a couple of times where I've had like, you know, two wounds on one horde, one wound on another. And it's just like, do I really want to use my, my, you know, my heel eight with my <laughs> shroud of the saint on, you know, <laughs> on these two wounds? Like, yeah, sucks, yeah, you know? yeah. So at least having Radiance of Life is just like, I'm going to run over here. Oh, look, all these got healed one, you know? So that's kind of cool. That's a neat little place to put her in. Yeah. Like I said, like you're saying, it's, it's, it's good, but not overpowering. So, um, it's it's no whatever the heck that Kapoka guy is. It's, it's no Kapoka, so you know. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll take another break and then we'll be back with tactics and lists. Hello, this is Duncan Rhodes from the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy, and you're listening to Counter Charge. So, welcome back. Uh, now we're going to talk about a little bit about the army and how it fits tactically, and some lists that you guys have put together. How do you feel the army sits in the current game? Some would call that the meta, but this year's been very different, obviously. How do you think it's going overall? Maybe start with you, Taz. I think the army's been a really, you know, you look at the other sort of Mantic IP armies and the Trident Realms came in and sort of, you know, they look cool, but it's been a struggle to make them work. People have made them work, but they've made them work with like, you know, depth horrors and knuckers. You know, they've they're, they're picked on a couple of things, whereas the full sort of diverse, interesting, visually interesting army to look at hasn't hasn't worked or, you know, it's taken a while to work. Um, and Night Stalkers made an impact, but that was very much because they, they were the answer to a heavy shooting matter. Whereas Northern Lights have come in and they haven't, you know, completely busted everything open, but they've been competitive. And that's perfect, I think. You want an army that comes in and it's just like, I'm not wasting my money buying these models. Um, they're going to do well, but it's not just a, I buy this and then I win um, because they're just OP. Um, so no, look, I th- I think they're good. Um, they have they can do a lot of things well, but they do have some big weaknesses. Uh, like we said, they don't have any mounted combat individuals. They don't have much mass shooting. They don't have a lot of speed, um, and they don't have a lot of cheap infantry blocks either. So. 
they they can't do everything. Like they do have some holes. They're not like the sort of the undead issue where they can kind of do everything better than everyone else. Sorry, my saltiness regarding undead has not been abated. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that, that's that's where I think they're they're a really solid army. They're not that easy to play. They can be. You know, you can as a beginner, you can run some builds that are very straightforward to play. That will take you up to a point. You know, so you can run Frostfang hordes and things like that, which will you know, kick the britches off your other fellow beginners, but then you'll run into players and you'll have to evolve your tactics and strategy, which is great. But they're not like a surge-heavy army that is, you know, really requires a lot of sort of understanding of the game to play effectively. So, yeah, no, they're um, it's, it's just very fun to play, very fun to look at, um, lots of diversity in painting them up, really great model line from Mantic. So, yeah, no, I love it. What about you, Felix? Where do you see it sitting? Uh, I'm I'm kind of where Taz is at in terms of it's it, it is something it's it's kind of like one of those uh it's it's fairly easy to pick up because like you said we've said mentioned earlier like apply frostbang to the problem until it collapses and dies and then get you through early on as you're sort of picking up the game. Um, and it has, I, I think it's just enough for you to kind of pick up the different facets of the game. You have some surge you can learn, so you can kind of get used to learning some surge. Um, in Kings of War, you've got the ice, you've got some shooting, uh, you got hard-hitting infantry, you got some grind, and it definitely is a very... Um, you kind of build the list kind of to what your strengths and weaknesses are. And so I, I find that pretty nicely, and like you said... Uh, you don't necessarily get the eye rolls uh, when you roll up with the Northern Alliance because people aren't necessarily like, oh, God, this is the third of X build I've ran into this tournament already, blah, 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 blah. You can definitely uh, move around within the army list. And I like it, too, because the fact it's it's so new right now that, like, we're all still just sort of exploring at this point. Like, we still aren't 100%. Like, we haven't. At least I don't yeah. think we've got this there's, list there's sorted not, out yet. There's not like a meta Northern Alliance list that everybody's running. There's still a lot of experimentation to be done. And what are your thoughts, Dustin? I'm the exact opposite. Uh, I am the meta. Person, I guess. Uh, I've one. I've taken it to two GTs, one two GTs. Uh, I also won Trident Realms with nothing but Gigas, pretty much. So I'm a big, whatever you say can't work, I'll work it. And uh, my local here told me, uh, he was like, well, you need a 90% Mantic Army. I said, well, I don't want to paint a lot. And I was like, because I have other projects. So I painted the Ice List just because of Rule of Cool. And it turned out to be one of my nastiest lists. Now he doesn't want to play it anymore. So, uh <laughs> Well, because of that, he, he's getting because back of the list. Box. That's why he doesn't want to play you. It's because of the list, that's, surely. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no other not, reasons. No, not <laughs> this guy. He, he's pretty much a uh, complicit on my crimes. He's the one who got me well, fielding Shovik back in second edition. So uh, he's a bad one. But uh, gotcha. He's the blame. Yeah. He's the one who tell, tells me the internet says something stinks. So run it. So um, now that being said, though, it, that really isn't. Uh, to me, I think Northern Alliance is the greatest. Uh, might be one of the greatest starter army for a new person, as in it has every special rule: surge, rally. Uh, it has like everything but lightning bolt. So uh, you have most of the spells. It's a good overall army to learn the game. 
you have you don't have a movement eight unit, but you have a movement nine unit. So you could pretty much you have thunder charge, you have everything you could need from region, and it fits your style. Like uh, my Alamo list to my dojo list weren't the same at all, and they played differently. Because um, there's the addition of Huskar. So if you want to take a frosting heavy list, go more Alpha Strike. At that point, you should play Varnger. That's the one benefit <laughs> Varnger has. They're the Alpha Strike one. So it's yeah. so, but Northern Alliance. It's it's such a good toolbox. And yeah, I think Northern army. Alliance is more diverse than Varnger. Varnger has right. uh, a, a much narrower sort of range of optimal builds than we do. Yeah, Agreed. yeah. You add this there and this, and um, but that's the thing. It's uh, luckily. Down here, we have a good variety, and we have a very large community in Texas. So we have a lot of different players, a lot of different play styles. We had a couple of Northern Alliance players who took a lot of different uh, dwarves and more speedy things with a nimble frostbank cap. And then uh, just I found something that I liked, just like uh, when I took Gigas, because I like Big Shield <laughs> a lot in last edition. And um, yeah. when you run things like that, it all finds how you Every army is a personal, uh, a part of your personality. So yeah, my dojo side is showing when I have four ice elemental hordes, but uh, I, I am a member of that club. So it's uh, you can make it worse. You don't have to rinse or repeat. That one's just the core. Um, just like any of your other armies, you just figure out how your brain works optimally with that. And like I said, the rule of cool—that's probably the best rule to follow. If you have that lord on Chimera. Or sorry, a Jarl on Chimera. That's all you need to do. <laughs> make it look cool, and then everyone's going to look at it. Yeah, the, the thing I like about this army, I think it has the very good potential, especially if you're a newer player in the Kings of War, it has the potential to be an army that grows with you. Because it does have all the rules as you're learning the game. And if you realize, like, I really like this Surge, you can go heavy on the Ice Elementals. Or you're like... I like a grindy list, and you can come out with the, the Dwarf Clansmen and Ice Knights, stuff and like that, yeah. You, you like Alpha Strike, or, you know, this and that, and actually, one thing we haven't talked a whole lot, but, like, the Northern Alliance has a potential for a blistering amount of short-range shooting. Like, yeah. we've, we've hinted at it earlier, yeah. but you pack hunters, and Icekin hunters, and Ice and, Elementals. And, uh, ice and, Elementals, you can just have, yeah, I, I mean, I took playing against Basilea one time to taking out hordes of spearmen in one round of shooting. Yeah. Um, that, that the frost giants and rim also have icy breath. So yeah, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. there is a blistering amount of short range shooting. You could potentially build into a Northern Alliance list. Um, so yeah, you, like you said, as you grow into the game and kind of figure out what your play style is and what you like, you can tailor this list to, you know, optimize that. And so it's sort of just finding and what, what I like works. about it is that there's, there's not a lot of crutches in the sense that uh, like big flying units, right? That will always outrange things and will always outpunch them. Um, you know, because let's say people who really relied on Dracons or Elo High Hordes and that could expose weaknesses in their game when they're like, as soon as you took away the overwhelming punch that couldn't be outranged, then they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. So we're like, we've got the Frostfang Hordes, for example, but they do have weaknesses. Um, we've got Instead, you've just got ultra cheap mini dragons. Sure, that's sure, real. and that's, that's <laughs> but to get the most out of them, you have to learn how to get those flat. Like there is a learning element to it. Now, like for good players or players who have been around and just through painful experience have learned how much of a problem it can be. You know, you, you learn these lessons. 
but yeah, because the most effective thing is is getting those flanks and rears rather than charging into the front. So a beginning player might sort of think, oh, I'll, you know, charge into the front and I'll get my nine attacks and I'll do you know four wounds or whatever. It's just like, yeah, you know, what you what you actually want to do is this. But that's a learning thing. So I think for a new player, it's really great because there's nothing that's just so easy that it'll uh, they'll learn bad habits, um, but nothing that's so high skill cap that they will feel like. The army sucks, and nothing like the you know your your um Drakari or whatever in 40k, which is like a real sort of finesse army. Um, so th- there are elements of that that can be really finesse. Like I definitely wouldn't suggest that anyone runs four hordes of ice elementals unless they know what they're doing. Um, as you know, as a beginning player, um, but um, th- it has the potential to go all the way up to being a really high skill cap, and yeah, you know, GT winning list. I've had a I've had a couple of people try to copy the list I ran, and they call I got a direct message saying, "Hey, that list is horrible. What are you talking about?" And I was like, "It's pretty yeah, good." Yeah. I said, "How do you beat flyers?" I'm like, "You got to learn to play." Like, uh, it just when you play a lot, that's all that matters. Just like uh, y'all probably have lists that everybody has a list that everyone just doesn't get. I used to play against a guy, uh, a herd player who took no inspiring, and that guy was one of the best players I've ever played. Because no one understood his list, and he'd take no inspiring, no support characters at all. And um, that's the same thing with this one. Uh, you could build any list as long as you know how to play it. That's all that matters. Right? Yeah. There's very few list archetypes. I think they would struggle to build. Like trash would be one of them, just because you know units tend to be that's, a little yeah. bit on the expensive side. So probably if you want to do a trash army, this is probably not the army to do it with. Our d- dwarf clansmen yeah. regiments are as cheap as it gets and they're 115 points. So, right. yeah. I mean, while you could just do a whole bunch of dwarf clansmen regiments, but at that point, just play dwarves. You'd probably be better off as support options. Yeah. You know. Or go so, play Varanger. Play Varanger, run the Draugr, and yeah, away you go. Right. So so that's one of the few ones I could say. We don't we don't have a lot of long-range shooting, so that's an issue as well. Potential issue. Um, um, trying to we think don't have much uh, flyers either. We've only got the one flying unit, oh, plus whatever we give Wings of Honey Maze to, I guess. So um, you can run an Alpha Strike army, but it's not going to be an ultimate Alpha Strike army. Like, what I referred to my army as was was a slow alpha strike army. So it would it was designed around getting that first hit in, but my effective right. threat was sort of fifteen odd inches. So a fast cavalry or flying army would hit me first, and I had to mitigate that with list building. I mean, I th- what, one of the things that I've been getting from you guys is that you've there's a fair bit of diversity in list build. Is there anything that you guys think needs to be in the army to make it work? Uh, Felix, we'll start with you. Uh, in terms of needs, oh man, um, I don't really have any good needs. I mean, for me, I need to have dwarves. That's because I came from playing dwarves, so I need to have me at least one unit of dwarves floating around the battlefield because uh, I just find it thematic and, and cool. Um, yeah, in terms of needs, uh, honestly, I think the needs are really determined by what type of army you're going to be running. If you're running a shooting army, there's different units that need to go with that one. If you want to do a surge, obviously, you need the ice elementals and ice queens, uh, monster mash. You know, we talk about the cabin drillers. It's probably a need, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's any needs as a general rule. I don't know about uh, if Dustin or Taz have anything. 
I think I, I don't know if it's like you. Like, go ahead, Tess. There's no needs, but there are those handful of S tier units that are just so good it's very difficult to walk past them. So your lords on a frost fang, lord on a frost fang, and your snow foxes are so good that you, ha- you, you know, again you don't have to take them. The, the list can definitely work without them, but you you want to know what you're doing. Um, that's more the issue. It's not so much it needs this or that. You know, there's no oh um, I've never seen this army work without like frostfang hordes, or I've never seen this army work without dragons or something like that. Um, nah, it can definitely it can definitely work with without any of these units. It's just there are some very very attractive options. Agreed completely with Az right there. It's a there's not anything I feel I must take, but there's a couple things I really find a hard time not leaving home without, and that'd probably just snow foxes at that end. And that's literally, it's all the rest is depends on what style I'm going with. Yeah, like I'm sure Dustin could run no ice elementals and do well, like, you know, if he wanted to. Um, obviously, his theme is he's built it around those ice elementals, but there are definitely ways to, to win without them. Um, it, it just depends on what, it, you know, you, you're looking at your meta and you're looking at what type of list, you know, what archetype am I trying to build? What questions am I trying to answer? What questions am I trying to pose? These are all the things that are important in your list building sort of philosophy, I guess. So that's when, you know, when you're sketching things out and clicking around on Easy Army, that's the sort of stuff that you want to be looking at rather than I must take this. Right. I, I know, I think it was... I think it was the the Kyle's podcast you mentioned, or it might have been with Andrew mentioning it on Kyle's podcast, but doing the what we call Met TC in the U.S. Army, when it's kind yeah, of like yeah. you're, you're analyzing yeah. your mission, what the enemy's potentially doing with the terrain, troops. Remove TC because that's not well. Time is a component that you can worry about in Kings yeah. of War because it's a finite thing. Civilians not as much, but like uh, you have to analyze these things when building your list. So you have to be like, okay, what's my meta? You know, what am I likely to run into? Uh, if you know the scenarios beforehand, what are the likely scenarios you're going to be running? Well, hell, if you don't know the scenarios beforehand on a GT, like, you know, there's probably be one that I probably have to hold objectives. There's probably be one that's going to be, you know, owning terrain. There's going to be one that, you know, so, you know, we do these things when planning out your army, you know, that's kind of what you need to have in mind. That's just general list building, not just specifically the Northern Alliance, but, you know, just keep those in mind. And then the cool part about Northern Alliance is that you do have that wide variety of units to choose from to be able to help you answer your own questions and, like Taz was alluding to, force your opponent to have to answer questions. Mm. All right, so now we might go through some strategies uh, for playing, for using Northern for using Northern Alliance against certain uh, build types. So, Taz, what would your strategies be if you were coming up against a, a melee heavy army? Yeah, if they're running mostly melee, so then what you want to look at is you want to take your units that are going to get there first. So things like your Frost Fangs, things like your Half-Elf Berserkers, things like your Tundra Wolves, they're going to get there first and they're going to tie them up. And that allows your second wave of your Snow Trolls, your Huskarls, your Frost Fang Hordes to then come in and clean up. You're going to potentially, you know, you can definitely use your ice elementals, but I'll let Dustin sort of talk about the specifics of, of, of using that. But you just, you know, you want to use chaff, you want to fight and engage on your terms. Um, you want to try not to get too grindy because apart from the units with regen, um, Northern Alliance doesn't like, you know, we've got a lot of um, uh, Huskarls and Frostfangs don't like to take wounds. Um so you want to kill them and then move on. 
So, yeah, but no, things like your ice naiads can be a real headache for people to get through. So well, this is where we excel. Against melee armies is where um, Northern Alliance really excels. Um, even a, even against, you know, undead so, so who are really good in – or a Varanga um, who are really good sort of melee armies, um, Northern Alliance can go toe-to-toe with them if you know what you're doing and you build to it. Yeah. And what about if you were combating a shooty army, Dustin? Oh, this is my expertise. So uh, biggest one is you have to figure out your ta- one, your mission, two, your, your table. But some eight re- regions allow you to place train, some you're, you look at the draw. Now, if you're trying to tailor a list to it, you definitely want, you know, speed, obviously, is a big deal, and terrain manipulation. So Thunderwolves, that's where they come in play. Uh, your flying ice blade, as, for example, is good. You, uh, I wouldn't say the Lorna Chimera... Because if you are, you're going to be focusing on hiding behind forests and hopscotching around it in a passable. Um, if you're most of them long range shooting, I wouldn't get into shooting more. We're better at mid range shooting, I'd say. Um, best thing you can use is use your terrain to your benefit. Luckily, we have enough things with Strider uh, that we could kind of use forests as launch pads if there's like a middle ground forest that they're trying to, that you can use. Let's say you jump in the forest, you get covered, then they get one round of shooting, you saturate them with targets, then you can tag them all at the same time. So if you could, at that one position and one time, saturate them with targets, tundrawls on the outside, uh, your units in the forest on the mid, uh, in the second side, usually turn three or turn two, you could strong arm them. Other than that, against shooting, I would just play the mission. Uh, make them come forward. We have lots of heal. Uh, you have a good heal caster. Depends on, in my list, I'm not worried about it. There's hills. I get up with the hills. I surround them with, I have enough hill, uh, heal and surge that uh, I know I could get there and cripple them in one round. So then they could kill two ice hordes. And by that time, they kill two ice hordes. Everything else is getting the combat. Okay. And uh, Felix, if you were taking on an elite army? Um, probably crack open a beer and start crying in the corner of the, the GT gaming <laughs> hall. Um, gosh, I mean, that's, I mean, we're not, I'd say we're fairly decent as an army matching up against elite because we're a fairly elite army ourselves. And again, with, uh, talking about the melee, uh, that Taz was talking about is just making sure you get that first charge in because, like we mentioned with the Who's Carls, like we mentioned with the Ice Elementals, we don't like getting hit first. Like, um, either for the Who's Carls, you put you on the back end of that whole damage, you know, output thing, and they're one, you're one turn closer to dying than they are. Or if you hit as an Elemental, you may survive it, but you lose your ability to shoot, you know, and that kind of diminishes their ability to output stuff. But I, honestly, I do think we do match up fairly evenly well against, uh, elite armies provided we can get that first charge and that's where playing with chaff correctly utilizing that wild charge to, to kind of slow down the other elite armies. and that's charges. where I, I wanted frozen to be a really useful tool in that it just it's so yeah. marginal with the one speed but i really wanted frozen to be a way of you know the enemy's coming forward but one of their units is frozen so their whole line can't advance that sort of thing but it it just so rarely works out that way but that's that's what i you know when when they said when they first revealed what the special rules were going to be and stuff like that 
that's what I thought we were getting and I was so excited and it hasn't quite worked out like that. So, but yeah, yeah. It, it is all about manipulating those first charges and those first charges past the chaff, you know, so clearing the chaff and then dealing with their second row um, is, is everything and learning that game um, is a very, very important skill for you to go from being like a, an ordinary player to, to someone who you can expect to do well in tournaments. Okay, and uh, versus Horde or more trash-type armies, Taz, what would the specific tactics be? Uh, you've got a lot of blender units. So Huskars, Frostfangs um, can really churn out high numbers of attacks and against the Defence 4 stuff with Crushing 2, you're just doing a tremendous amount of wounds to them. Um, even things like your, your Dwarf Clansmen are doing you know, wounds against Horde stuff. You guys are sitting up the back. Even your Snow Foxes with Vicious aren't doing nothing so we we've we don't have a problem putting out a lot of hurt the issue is is getting tied up and flanked um and so you got you got to watch out for that so make sure that when you're attacking stuff to you know double team or whatever make sure of the kill get the reform so that you're hiding your flanks because things like your huskals and your frostfang hordes won't last long if they're getting hit in the flanks um, and that's the classic thing for a horde army is I will just tie you up and it's going to take you one or two, you know, it's going to take you around to get through my horde. Um, even, even with a horde of frost fangs isn't going to get through a horde of zombies in one go necessarily. So, and then, you know, you engage and then I hit you in the flank and then it's all over. I gotta say, I love to fight uh, trash army. It's like my ultimate unit to fight is if, if I'm going, it's high drop. Rats or goblins or even Drago or undead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you get frontals, each ice horde. If you have two, you know you're putting out a lot of attacks. Just that surge, low defense is the ice target the dream. Just your frostfang heroes bouncing around, you know, popcorning between flanks and just taking stuff out. It, it is a great feeling when you're taking off five or six units a turn. It feels really good. Yeah. Increases the blood flow, you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, conversely, I'm sure you guys won't want to give away all your tips, but if you were playing against Northern Alliance, what are some tips for playing against it? And also, you know, what what's a good matchup for your opponent against Northern Alliance? Maybe start with you, Dustin. Uh, my EOD is a pretty good matchup for it. Like, uh, I've let opponents play my ice list against my Empire of Dust, and my Empire of Dust just never loses to it. Um, a really good player could beat it. Uh, it happens. Um, but luckily, it depends on how my build is. Um, things that could one-hit it, so you can't heal it, that's good. Or on Conversely, if you could do a lot of damage to lots of several units at the same time, that's also good. Um that's what I've noticed with it. With the ice list, it's a little different than the one I ran to Alamo. But um, I could say that the best list against it would probably be a combined arms toolbox with the guy who really knows how to play it. Yeah, hard agree. Uh, I think um, anyone that can is really good at setting up flanks um, because we don't have a lot of sort of super durable hammers. Um, we've got We've got some hammers that can really hit, but if you get someone who can manipulate terrain, manipulate flanks, and um, set things up so that uh, you're, you're having to do combined charges, but then the reform screws you over, so you're always presenting a flank whichever way you go. If you get up against someone who knows 
sort of what they're doing um, and has multiple threats coming in, you're in trouble. Um, I wouldn't come in with just like two big hammers that the whole list is built around. You want those multiple sources of damage to, to manage and that, that causes problems. Um, and speed, you know, so if you're coming in and you've got Dracons or Elohi or something like that that hit hard and outpace us, that can be um, really difficult questions to answer, especially later game. Okay. Uh, and Felix? I mean, you talk to these guys. Like I said, I'm usually chilling at the, at the bottom of the table <laughs> trying to figure out these, uh, figure out these questions myself. Uh, yeah, I mean, anything that I've run into that if they're able to manipulate chaff to prevent those multi-charges for stuff that can weather that first hit you know uh eric trowbridge is a local-ish player to me and so he was he just played his orc great axe list or great axe of you know, it was great axe like like a like a fine violinist with orkling regiments and stuff like that so chances are you weren't double charging him and he would just one shot you in return like he got really good at eliminating that dash 17 nerve point which if you noticed our army review a lot of our units are at that 15 17 nerve point and so like you, armies like that that just will invite that initial charge that i can't get a multi-charge in and then just swallow up my units uh in return those are the ones i've struggled against in my own local player base but uh you know the other good points made by the other gentlemen too about uh you know hard you know opponents to go up against Mm. and when it comes to allies for this army you know it does most things well but does it need allies and if so what units make it work best Uh, may as well stick with you felix first i mean we we did mention like the aforementioned lack of a lot of flyers i mean i don't really feel the need to have them in my lists um one thing I like about this list... Can you is even like I, ally in flyers anymore? Uh, none of the ones I think as is, uh, unless they've changed some of the ones to make them regular, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. They've changed I mean, a couple to make them regular. Uh, you could, uh, like, for instance, track cons, aren't they now regular? Again? Once again? After I can't this recall. Last... Yeah, then re- you still have heroes as well. All heroes are still viable. Right, so but, you, you know, for me... Honestly, one thing I like about the Varanger is like I feel like I already have allies. You know, just like, maybe just me mentally. I'm just like, oh, I have dwarves, I have elves, I have. Yeah, you know, I already feel like I have allies. Diversity, anyway. Really yeah, yeah. So, like I said, it's a well-rounded, it's a well-rounded overall army. There's not a lot of need for a lot of, uh, you know, unless I want to do Wilt Daddy, which that's just a thing apparently <laughs> on the internet. So, you know, put a. Put a regiment of uh, centaurs in there, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll daddy, you know, that, that's an ally. I mean, that's just yeah, it's probably the only one though. Like, if you think because that dojo mastermind over here, like, uh, I don't think they need it. They don't. Uh, we have everything you need: high crushing, high volume. We've got Grim. We don't need Will Daddy. Yeah, yeah, we don't need. He makes better head. noises than Will Daddy as well. It does, and he actually outpunches Will Daddy when they get in a fist fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My daddy can beat up your daddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have anything to add, Taz? No. Look, I don't like allies as a as a thing. I think uh, I, I would rather they get removed from the game. I think they reduce the integrity of the list variety to begin with. 
Um, the whole point Agreed. of a point of building lists that are different is to, you know, you've got orcs which have a lot of things, but they've got no war machines, for example. Um, you know, making every list sort of have access to every tool is like you know so so we might as well go and play chess then if we want you know things to be completely standardized and completely same and i love chess it's great but what i like about this is the variety the diversity looking at things that are different and you know i like that we don't have mounted combat individuals i like that we don't have flyers i like that we don't have much shooting um because it means that well you know we can't do everything yeah we don't ever want everyone to be undead right correct correct yeah Yeah. absolutely (laughs) <laughs> I, I like I mean I I sort of agree but different with Taz like I I I I don't like that we don't have access to everything but I get it like for me mentally, yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Like, I, I, I get it that they don't have mounted individuals, even though I love to have three 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 thanes on horseback just running around punching things like that'd be like you know if 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 Papa Renton could you know give us something for Christmas that would be that would be that um, but I get it like I said for 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 you know that making the what that would make us that makes us unique that makes northern alliance northern alliance otherwise if we just had all the tools you know we'd just be an undead and while cool for undead players like i i like my i like my northern alliance mm. not everyone likes easy mode right apparently i don't which is why nah. I struggle <laughs> <with the> <laughs> all right so we're going to move into some listener listener questions from facebook we're not doing the all the questions that are on there, but we'll do a fair few. Uh, the first one's from Kirill Muraviv. Why are they naked in cold, snowy winter? Um, I can probably answer this one. Well, and it's, they're running I mean, to the solder. Well, and also, you know, yeah, yeah. And size doesn't matter to everyone, right? So some people are prepared to be cold. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> like they say, it's mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Erasmus Berger asks, what sets Northern Alliance apart from other armies? I feel like we've spoken uh, about this, but like, you know, the diversity, the ability to run multiple different viable lists, the ability for the army to grow with you as a player from a beginner to, an, a, you know, a GT winner. Um, and it looks cool as hell. And, and a near complete model line too, right? That's, mm. that's another thing. Having a mostly complete Mantic uh, model line, uh, really. Like I said, I like I, when I was at Best of the Rest GT. I mean, that was what five months after the the third edition came out, or something like that. Like I already had a hundred percent Mantic army uh, for my Northern Alliance. You know, every model I had was was represented by Mantic models. So that was really kind of cool to be able to be just like, look, boom, I have everything now. Now, granted, some are harder to source than others, like. You know, <clears throat> let's let's start releasing more Huskarls, please, um, and then boxes of half up berserkers as well. Um, but I mean, they're all there though. You can get Mantic models for just about the complete line. So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you can't uh, put together. So what? Mm. Uh, I feel like this next question is directed at uh, you, Dustin. Donny Crosh asks, "What's the best <laughs> counter for four ice elemental hordes?" You just lay down and give me my 20 and leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> but Donnie was a great guy. We had a great game. Uh, he actually just had – he was the one that had the bad luck where I rolled like one horde to 12 wounds. And then he had his trap unit of Gur Panthers and I did like two ice hordes did like four wounds. So the unit I should have nuked out of orbit, I didn't even – like I barely scratched the paint on it. But then uh, he, all of his troll, his ogres, his palace ogres, I shot them off the board. It's just 
He, unfortunately, the law of averages got him because I rolled really bad uh, early game. And then mid game, I rolled hot as can be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that one, it's uh, that one. He, I don't know. I think with his, it was so dice dependent. I felt bad. Has has anyone else noticed that he doesn't want to answer the question about the best counter for? I did. For, I did yeah. notice that. I, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we all know the true answer is five ice elemental hordes. So, <laughs> true. I don't know. Maybe because Cav doesn't work. You could try to take a lot of flyers. Um, I was going to say speed. Surely would be yeah, the one thing. I mean, if you stop them, them shooting the first, then they're is, only hitting on fours. Yeah, the issue is, is disordering them first in bulk. You know, you might yeah, a but, lot of people are prepared to disorder one or two things, but four things at once is 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 mm. what's tricky there. Yeah, the problem is they can't disorder them all at once, and they all can't survive that counter charge of cavern dwellers or frost things. So with all together, that's where usually they struggle. And um, mm. that's the problem. And then everyone thinks speed. Uh, how I beat it with EOD is I use what the EOD good at. They, I won. I can heal everything. And I can mitigate how many things can shoot by spreading out. He only put one on one. He can't. Uh, my opponent wasn't able to uh, put ice elementals on each target. Multiple ice elementals on one single target is the goal. Mm. One and on using one. using some sort of duelist assassin um, to go in and pick up your sources of surge um, is, is is effective as well. Mm-hmm. But if I charge that, I should might as well quit because uh, I haven't played the game for so long. I bury those guys as quick as can be. <laughs> My capture <laughs> mm. And uh, Keith Conroy has pulled himself out of his puddle of elvish tears to ask, uh, what can Northern Alliance offer that Varanger don't already have or do better? They're better grinders, uh, better more toolbox. The only thing Varnier does better than us is they do speed better. They do monster mash because they're Draugr better. And uh, so yeah. they, have tra- uh, and tra- tra- they have trash. They yeah. have better trash better than us. Everything else we do better. Grind, Husquarls, we're better. Yeah, I, I agree. So we've got uh, Ice Elementals, Half-Elf Berserkers, Hrim, uh, uh, the, the, you know, Varanger are more one-dimensional. They do, yeah, what they they do very well what they do, um, but that's all they can do. Um, yep. Whereas we've got, you, you know, you'll find a lot less list diversity at the top of Varanger lists. They're going to be built around, you know, your your mounted dudes and your Huskars and your Draugr, like, and they're all going to have some variation of that. Um, you're going to see Draugr in every list. You're going to see the same units in every list. Whereas at the end, you know, you could run, you could have three lists that will be potentially GT winning lists in Northern Alliance that will have barely any overlapping units. Mm-hmm. You'll also see, like, we run Huskarls because we have the Rally One thing, which is good. And we also have the plus one, uh, we have the plus one version of Wild Charge, which outcharges them. So, you, like you, the caveat what you said, you see so much variety in our list. With them, mm. I, I can pretty much tell you what I'm fighting before I include the list. Yeah. So, so there's your answer. The Thane is better in Northern Alliance than he is in Varanger. He's damn near useless in the Varanger list. <laughs> like, he, he gets ice nothing. naiads and ice <laughs> elementals are really solid units that are not available to Varanger. Um, and half health berserkers, which are more situational, but are fantastic. Hmm. 
Tom Annis says, what kind of tactics or units do you use to overcome the lack of shock cavalry unit type? Which I assume he means by shock cavalry hitting on three slightly faster. He means mountain um, sons, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah for some reason, can get stealthy. Chaff is, <laughs> is how I overcome that. Yeah, I yeah. think ch- chaff is basically about the only way you really can. Um, Nuke so. him off of orbit. Just, Heavy shooting. Just yeah, Tom is what, ha- what happens when he exposes a flank and gets surged. And sh- that's what happens. Mm. <laughs> we have ice yeah. And cavern dwellers. If you put a snow fox in front of a cavern dweller or two cavern dwellers, okay, you're going to come kill our snow fox and I'm going to hit you with two cavern dwellers. There goes so, your regiment. Northern Alliance have got some great chaff options and they've got some great anvil slash tar pit options. And you've got to use a combination of like Hrim or your Ice Nyads to, to tie things up or your Berserkers or Snow Foxes or Klansmen or whatever to, to be the chaff and then set up your second wave to come in. But you, 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 we've got some really great, yeah, Anvil, Tar Pit, Chaff options and you've got to use them all to overcome that overwhelming, you know, shock cavalry from the, you know, Dracons, Mounted Suns, Elo High, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, JJ Jones asks suggestions y'all would have for making an elf focus list. If I was one, you know, I'd get a, an elf focus list. I'd get some uh, some uh, some master hunters, some uh, master shooters, and some things, and uh, probably uh, I'm assuming naiads or elves, um, and uh, the ice queen, and you all got a you got a nice Ruga on there. I don't know. I don't know that it's um it'd be fun, but not particularly optimal. Um, I think it would lack a lot of punch. The naiads could be a bit of the tar pit, and your master hunters could be um, some range sort of plinking, and your half elf berserkers can can sort of do some punching. But you, what you would lack is the high cra- the high crushing, um, the ca- the real ability to open cans that this list relies on. I think. Yeah, they would definitely lack in the uh, the can opening. Uh, areas but i mean if you wanted to go see it's one of those things is that like they can do shooting but i'm not certain they could do well enough to be shooting just on its own i guess yeah is the yeah, best yeah, way yeah. To describe it like so yeah northern alliance is a combined arms list and if you restrict yourself to just one of the arms then it's not going to work. Now, there are many ways to make that combined arms work, but if you go too heavily down one route, you really expose yourself um, to, to to the counters of that. And the chances of you running into a counter over the course of a six-game tournament are like 100%. I wouldn't suggest doing any one-directional one army. Just any tournament, you're going to find that counter and you're going to get a zero or... It's going to be very just, hard. Just take yes. elves. If you want an elf focus list, take elves. That's Elves do it. Okay. Put snow on their bases. We go. Mm. Yeah, go ahead. Call it. So JJ also good. asked, what would make a better anvil? Snow trolls or human clansmen? Just on the yeah. mass, the clansmen are a better anvil. However, the snow troll have a bit more offensive utility and the ability to grind out more. So snow trolls have more utility, but straight up on the ability to take a punch, um, clansmen. Like, they've got the more nerve and same defense, so. Okay, everyone agree with that? Yeah, the only big difference is the footprint, but even then it's 150 millimeters versus 200, so that's a moot point. 
point as well. So, yeah. yeah. I I say this as someone who takes snow trolls over clansmen, but if the question (laughs) is which is a better anvil, um, straight up the the clansmen are. But the the reason why I take the snow trolls is is because of that increased utility. Mm. Okay. And we might just do one more question from Nav, Logan. Olaf the Barbarian or Ice Blade with Snow Fox? Mm. No fly on the, uh, the Ice Blade? No, I think yep. he's talking about a straight Ice Blade with, yeah. with Snow uh, Fox. I'm going with Olaf just because he's, he's got more muscle. Yeah. Come on. I'd I, I take Olaf. Uh, I, if, if we could have the wings in, then Ice Blade for sure, but Olaf is cool. And Dash 16. Right. It's two, two more nerve, so yeah. Um, now, as we've discussed, that Mantic's got a pretty complete range for this army, um, but I, we was going to talk about model ranges, but it's really, I guess, being such a diverse diverse army, anything that you can paint in snow themes, you could use, really, couldn't you? And yes, you don't I... even have to paint it in snow themes. You don't even have to paint If you wanted to do something different, and I nearly did this, but I nearly did, like Northern Alliance on tour. Um, you know, like, <laughs> you, you know, we're off, um, you know, I come from the land of the ice and snow and here we are in the desert or whatever. Um, so yeah, we're not always fighting with home ground advantage. Right. Yeah. I painted a bunch of different models. Uh, my original list is 90% Mantic with, I use the abyssal imps as my snow foxes and I have a bunch of things frozen under ice, like uh, like bodies coming up under the ice, like naiads, uh, butchers, stuff frozen under resin that I painted. And um, but my monsters I actually used from a board game from Cool Mini or Not called Blood Rage, as well as the giant D and D frost giant. And uh, I have a couple others just for that are randomly collected throughout the years that are like Mears, uh, a bunch of Mears uh, angelkin that look like a bunch of Vikings. So I have a bunch of Viking esque models that I. I supplement my Mantic army with. Right. I mean, anything vaguely Northern is pretty good for Northern Alliance. You can at least argue that it's in the Northern Alliance. Uh, one thing I like about the Cavern Dweller is even though they do have a Mantic model coming out until then, they, uh, you know, so many a, proxies. Yeah. Like I, there's a model I got from somebody sending me a night stalker kind of box of random night stalker stuff. I'm like, I might use this as a Cavern Dweller. Like it's just, a, I think it's from, the others uh, board game or whatever. It's just like this gribbly, technically multi-eyed monster. I'm like, yeah, that can hang out in a cave for a while, then get coaxed out to fight. Cool, got it. Um, you know, definitely can use a lot of that stuff. And, and like I said, there's a lot of different sized miniatures in terms of like unit sizes or heights in the in the game. So like snow trolls, not to necessarily be trolls. It could be some other big yeti looking thing or you know whatever yeah. you can argue that yeah. there's snow trolls you know so mm. and you guys touched on it before do you feel like the army's pretty new player friendly oh extremely oh yeah for sure yeah 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 even the stuff that comes with the mega box like if you run with a, like a horde of human clansmen a couple of hordes of trolls um some of the Frostfang heroes uh, one of the frost giant, you know, Freem or something like that, um, and then a horde of ice elementals with one ice queen. Like that's a that's not a terrible list, especially to learn right. the game. 
No, I, yeah. I and that's had just a, the stuff that comes in the box. When third edition dropped, I had an army buddy who just started playing, a big group of them. And um, they literally called me because the elf player kept beating the northern lion player. And uh, I said, how is he losing to the elves? And it's because as new players, dragon riders and dragons are got all, right? And uh, I said, this is how you layer. After he learned to layer with the ice naiads, he's like, yeah, I've never lost to him since. Because now as the ice naiads take the punch and he followed through with Frostbane Cav. And no more dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a brand new player, I just he didn't know the idea of layering. And now he's, he's coming up with all these strange lists. And he's having a blast with them. And he's been playing, what, a year? And uh, hasn't changed. And it, all because of Northern Alliance. He had to learn Surge. He had to learn everything. But yeah, I think they've got one of the solid, like if you get the you know Mega Army boxes and, and a few other bits and pieces, um, you can run a, a list that's not terrible, just straight out of the box, and you'll learn the game and well. Okay, so now we're on to the part where we run through some lists from these Northern Alliance power gamers. Each of our uh, panellists will, will pick a list that they want to run us through and talk to us about it, talk us through it, what it does well, what it doesn't do, um, do so well. And, uh, yeah, off we go. So why don't we start with you, Dustin? All right. Uh, this one I won Dojo GT with was four hordes of ice elementals, three snow fox regiments, two ice queens with heal and surge, the free swap, I took two cavern dwellers, Prim, and I took a naked frost lord, uh, a lord on frostfinger, y'all on frostfinger. Uh, the list, uh, yeah, it played to all my advantages: monsters, high crushing, and surge. Um, the lord on frostfang, obviously, the, the benefit of Northern Alliance, other than what we all talked about, is we have so many sources of very inspiring. You can play very far apart and not worry about it. Uh, you're almost yeah. always in yeah. rank, which is phenomenal, like very rare. We're League of Rodia, us, and uh, Kingdoms of Men. That's the kings of very inspiring. And um, <laughs> that list right there, uh, yeah, I was so far ahead in battle. By the last game, I played a very good player, Adam Ballard, but I was in a comfortable lead. So I didn't have to worry about much uh, just going into it. A draw would still won me battle. So, um, yeah, it works really well. Normally against melee four up, our weaknesses and snare. I could freeze and snare off pretty easily. Um, the other thing is a lot of people think of high elites. Well, if you hit two cavern dwellers into a night unit, you usually kill it. Um, the frost lord's just an opportunist. I'm not taking fronts with him. If he gets a, if he'll sneak a flank in though, and he'll take that every time he get, you know, every day twice on Sunday, right? Um, the uh, frim's frim i took him just so i could paint that model i sent y'all a picture of that giant uh um D model uh i've always wanted to paint him and by force shoehorning him into my list i really got good with him and now i can't he's almost an auto inclusive just because i love that 20 uh he's a shadow hulk but better uh which i love sh- i've always ran shadow hulks since they night stalkers came out so, um, yeah, that list has done me really well. Um, I'm not really like that's pretty standard list. I might change it up because of the new lady. Um, I really enjoy her. Um, it just depends on the point limits. Uh, my 2300 points, uh, 2300 point list, which that one was, 
is I don't take the same list for even 2250. But I drastically build lists for every point level. Uh, do you find that there's have you obviously winning two GTs with it? There's not much that yet. Well, you won Dojo. There's not much that gives it a lot of trouble that you found so far. No, in the one for the next GT was similar to it. It just involved Huskarls. Uh, I put in two Huskarls and a second Frostfang because it was a weird tournament where you play 1995 and then you get a sidebar on your two and a half games are at 1995. The other two and a half. Your, your reinforcements come in to make it 2,500. And so uh, I added those Huskarls, which, let's face it, a Huskarl regiment hits like two cavern dwellers, even when they're hindered. So I just used Huskarls like I would a cavern dweller or a monster, and it works fine. Even hindered, they're still outgrinding most things. So more of I catch people in the open with them, like, a, like I described before, by using those snow foxes in tandem with angling in uh, I can block most charges into them. And then I will take a one-on-one charge against, let's say a dragon. I can maybe leave a little bit out. So when he charges me, Oh, look, I have a flank. Now your dragon's dead. And you did, you know, six wounds. I just healed it with heal 10. So, uh, yeah, big fan of that. That list is going to be well, but it also, uh, it's something I've a play style. I've been playing with since version two and I've done well with it. It's surge plus monsters. That's literally what I'm known for. So that's uh, like if it had flyers and stuff, I'd be horrible with it. Speed and me are not together. Uh, but I designed that list for my how I play, real Kate close combat, uh, grindy style. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and Taz, do you want to take us through a list? Yeah, sure. So this is the list that I mostly ran through uh, the last CTA. Um, there's a bunch of variations and play around with things that plug and play, but this is the basic concept. So it was, um, four troops of half-elf berserkers, uh, two regiments of dwarf clansmen, two hordes of snow trolls, two hordes of frostfang cav, a thane with inspiring and the rally item, two lords on a frostfang and the ice blade with the wings of honey maze. Um, I would run this in two combat blocks. So one combat block would be the two hordes of Frostfang with two half-elf berserkers sitting in front of it. And the other combat block would be two hordes of snow trolls with, again, two half-elf berserker troops sitting in front of them. And then I would have a lord on a Frostfang with either one being the inspiring and then the thane normally off with the snow trolls. And the dwarf clansmen regiments would be wherever I needed them to, you know, pick up objectives or something like that. And the ice blade with the wings would um, be wherever I needed her to be to, to pick up whatever units I was looking to pick up. Um, very straightforward to move. You know, just move forward as a block. Those half-elf berserkers are unwaverable and you've got to clear them off because if you don't clear them off, they will just come through and soften you up for that second row, which is Snow Trolls, Snow Trolls or Frostfang Cav, and they're just deleting everything that was left. Um, so sometimes I'd swap out the Snow Trolls for Huskarls. Sometimes I'd drop the Dwarf Clansmen for Frim. Sometimes I'd drop the Ice Blade for something else. But, but, but that was the general process of two combat blocks, screened by half-elf berserkers and i would just pick my two deployment spots and build up around that i had it all measured out so that i could drop my half-elves all first and that would all be measured out to the to the inch and just march them forward and be in combat by turn two and yeah it was uh, it was good i specifically designed the list to be pretty straightforward to run because uh when i get tired my decision making drops 
Um, and a lot of the games, especially for CTA, are played at like four in the morning and stuff like that in Australia. So um, that was a that was a consideration. Um, but yeah, yeah, and then that got you all the way to top or round or table two last table round. Table two I think, for the last it? round, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and Paul's Paul's counter to it, and like I knew what was coming, but I didn't want to do the thing where I. Because he'd played pretty much the same list for the whole of the tournament as well. And I didn't want to... And I knew that he was going to play the same list for the last game. And I didn't want to write a list just to counter his list. Um, because, like, that was... Yeah, that would have been... Because you're not Tom Addis. Well, that's right. That's right. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't want to besmirch the integrity of any people named Tom Addis, but there we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yes, I didn't want to do that, so I knew. And what he did was he cleaned up his his shooting, cleaned up all of my half-elf berserkers, and then his fast elves got the drop on my dudes. And so he was able to clean, you know, pin my frost fangs and, and get them without doing too much damage and then, you know, pick me apart at his leisure. So he took out my half-elves, focused on my frost fangs first and then took out the snow trolls later. Um, so it was, it was pretty masterful, but up until that point, um, yeah, I, I hadn't had a l- not a lot of trouble. Like there were some really sort of close games, especially when I was playing some Spanish dude, um, Antonio Carrasco, I think. And he, he, gosh, he really gave me a hard time with, with undead. Um, it came right down to the last, um, last turn of the game there. But they were able to get through all the zombie hordes because he had like four zombie hordes and <laughs> kinds of stuff. Um, but yeah, so no, as it's, it's a half-elf berserker, so many people um, would just look at them and think, oh, they're just chaff. And then it's just like, oh no, they're hitting you, 15 attacks hitting on threes, crushing one or thunderous one. Um, and then they're like, oh, what? Um, so yeah. Mm. And what about you, Felix? You got, got a list for us? Yeah, yeah, I like to take everyone a trip uh, down from the the lofty heights of Mount Podium and, and come down to the <laughs> the realm of the mid tables. Um, uh, this this is a list I, I I don't particularly a huge fan of anymore, but this is the one I've done best at the tur- at a tournament level with with all like two I've really been to, and this was the one I took the best of the rest GT, um, which again took place in what was it late February early March. Uh, late late February this year, so the game had not been out for that much that long. But uh, so I kind of cobbled together what I could have. But uh, for that, I brought three regiments of dwarf clansmen. I had a horde of ice naiads with the pipes of terror, which did me no good for some reason. I put them in there, whatever. Uh, Ten points, eh, you know. Um, two hordes of ice elementals, a frostfang cavalry horde with brewer sharpness. Because yes, I'm going to be that player. Um, because. Yeah, 30 attacks on threes and crush two just deletes just a lot of things. Um, had a Thane on Frostfang with uh, Blade of Slashing and the Snow Fox. Uh, two Ice Queens, both um, with Heal 5. One had uh, its Icy Breath switched out for Surge and Shroud of the Saints. The other one just I bought Surge on her. I had the Ice Blade with Wings of Honey Maze and a Snow Fox, a Scald with the Loot of Insatiable Darkness, and then Hrim. So that was 2,300 points, 24 unit strength. Uh, yeah. And why don't you like it anymore? Uh, well, the Frostfang for one. Um, and then the Dwarves, it's... Three Regiments is good. Like, they don't go anywhere quickly. Um, problem is, is as I as you start peace trading and potentially losing hammers, like... You know, Bane Chant 2 will disappoint you more times than not. And uh, 
you know, without any native crushing, it can sometimes, if they're off by their lonesome, those dwarves just aren't doing anything besides surviving. Which sometimes will win you the game, which which did mean uh, a couple games I ended up winning at, at best of the rest GT. But, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I just, like I said, I, I, I mentioned I kind of fell out of love with the Frostfang Cavalry Horde. So that might be an instance where I kind of, Maybe drop a Frostbank Cab Horde and maybe paint up another Horde of Ice Naiads or maybe pick up a, a Troll Horde or something, you know. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we might start to wrap it up there, guys, because we're going to have a nice monster episode. Um, do we have any shout-outs that we want to give uh, before we before we close out, Taz? Yeah, I'd like to shout out our local player, Stephen Devonish. He's done a lot of list theorying with me and working things out um, sort of uh, and exposing sort of weaknesses of the list and getting me to think about, you know, what are those difficult questions that I want to pose? Um, so, yeah, that and the, um, you know, the various group chats and things like that have been really useful. Um, and that's probably the, the best piece of advice I can give to a new player is get, you know, get yourself into some sort of group where you can share lists around and bounce off ideas. It makes a huge difference um, and makes those hours at work pass much quicker. <laughs> uh, Phil, Felix, anything from you? I mean, that, 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 that that's probably like the ultimate advice right there is to find that group uh, to, to list share uh, in theory craft and discuss, you know, what I, Hey, here's a list I'm thinking about taking. What do you guys think about this and that? Or, you know, like I said, posing those deep questions. Um, and even if you're not like a great list builder, like I don't claim to be a great list builder, you can pick the brains of people that are great list builders and, and help you improve your game. And I know Eric mentioned it in one, like, you know, I'm more of a hobbyist than, than, than a lot of the guys in my little group are. So, you know, I can kind of show them like, Hey, I do this and that. And sometimes they ask me questions like, what should I paint this and that? But you know, it, it improves the whole gamer concept. It allows you to work on your, you know, how to, how to be a good sports, uh, how to, how to paint potentially something better, you know, how to get better at maneuvering things on the table and pushing your little toy soldiers around, you know? So, and that can just be a, a group of good friends too. I mean, a lot of those guys I, I travel with, to a lot of tournaments with and it's just a great group of people to hang out with so find that group you know even if it's just you and one other person to start small with you know just just find that group somewhere any shout outs from you dustin oh i have my normal punching bags which are uh matt bazell <laughs> and Stephen Hausnick, and uh then all my other ones who are all dojo north which is y'all's boy tom anus i'm dojo <laughs> south so but, <laughs> We also for uh, I get shout out for Dylan for coming up with a kaiju themed uh, GT that Kim split in the end of January if we're lucky. Mm. Yeah, great. All right, and I would like to shout out just to all our listeners. This is being recorded just before the Christmas break, so I hope everyone has a safe holiday period. Um, and look after yourselves if you have the opportunity to spend time with your family if you're unable to do what you'd normally do uh, there's been a couple of posts on fanatics and things about um, reaching out to people on discord or on various groups because there'll always be someone in the same situation as you so just just reach out um, and that'll probably do us tonight and until next time keep counter charging thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on counter charge Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, 
or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.